Uh, hi, this is uh, Giselle Legacy. I'm the artist on Archimedes Ramon and other Menage Three, actually. And uh, you're listening to Eleven O'clock Comics. Perfect. What, you want it in French? Yeah. Oh my god, that'd be so dope. Bonjour, je suis Giselle Legacy. Je suis l'artiste sur Archimedes Ramon. Et vous êtes en train d'écouter Eleven O'clock Comics. Nice. That's it. Nice. Long-awaited. It's the long-awaited woo-hoo, accompanied by a pair of uppity Yorkies. Go. They just want attention. That's it. That's all we all want is just a little bit of attention. Just want to be noticed. Right? Just a little bit. Yeah, me. What about me? <laughs> Nobody cares about you. <laughs> Sit the fuck down. Seriously. <laughs> it's true. I'm such a people person, though. I just embrace. You are. I. Yeah, it's it's so it's hard. It's Absolutely. really difficult being me because it's so it's much. Your name is magnetic. Vince magnetic, vulnerable. It's so much magnetic. It's so right, much yeah. of the feels, you know. All the feels. Yeah, all of them. I just can't process. All the feels. <laughs> such a <laughs> such a joke. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, you guys up for this? We're gonna go in deep, right? On what or this? Uh, on anything? No, yeah, I thought. Do this. No, listen. This is n- no no lie. So I'm I'm trying to cram stuff in today because I didn't have a whole lot of time this week because you all know what, what went down. And yes. I'm reading stuff and I got all my notes done and I'm like, damn, I got a lot of stuff. And literally, maybe quarter after eight, I said to myself, wait a minute, is it book of the month club this week? I thought it was the book of the month. And now that David just said on what, that confirmed my – that validated my feelings that it is not, in fact, the book of the month. It is free game, free free play. Free reign. Totally free. Uh, Book of the month will be next week because that will be the last Thursday of the month. Nice, nice. So welcome to not – the book of the month club uh-uh Correct. this is 11 o'clock comics episode 623 and i am vince b you are vince b i and not the chosen one i am david a price i believe that is accurate and i know this because i am agamemnon agamemnon hmm history of the marvel universe no hmm well, we know he's not rereading the Peter David stuff, so. Why are you Agamemnon? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why not? Oh, okay. You could have been Said olive oil, but whatever. What? I could All have right. been olive oil. That was bet. a New York Times crossword uh, clue the other day. Exactly. You are not Agamemnon, although you do have his presence. You are Jason Wood, everybody. Everybody's here together once again on this episode, brought to you by the lovely, lovely, beautiful people at Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com. One more time, dcbservice.com gets you everything in the previews catalog for a fraction of the retail price, such as, you heard him here last week, Michel Fife is cooking up another go-around with, well, a continuation of Copra, but it's a first issue, which picks up where the last series left off. So it's not a new series. It's just a number renumbering. So you got a number one of Copra coming from Image. Awesome series. Amazingly talented creator. 
starting from number one, you got to get in on this. It's going to have bonus things to lure you to buy the floppies uh, instead of waiting for the trade, which is very smart on a book like this because it is his, um, up to the moment, uh, it's his life's work. He loves doing it, and we should support it, right? Three ninety nine cover price. No way, Jose, you can have it for $1.99. That's boy's pants right there. From Dark Horse, Count Crowley, The Reluctant Monster Hunter, number one of four. I can't tell you how excited I am for this book, only because it speaks to my childhood. Um, grew up loving the horror host mechanic, and I still very much do to this day. And this is a horror host that uh, kind of was a news anchor, and she got demoted to hosting the, the the horror movies, and this whole thing pops up with the original host of the horror movies, and it's a mystery, and it's, there's horror in it, and it's only $1.99, you freaks, for a uh, first issue of a four-issue miniseries, and certainly not least... <laughs> from DC, it's the last god number one. It's a fantasy book with a map, right? Book one of the Fellspire Chronicles is a high octane, no holds barred, dark fantasy epic from writer Philip Kennedy Johnson, who did The Last Sons of America, Warlords of Appalachia, and Aquaman, and artist Ricardo Federici, who did some Dark Knight's Metal. And Aquaman. And it features additional work from Kai Carpenter, Books of Magic, Dean White. What? Dean White. And Jared Blendo, who did Dungeons and Dragons. I love that name, Jared Blendo. It's not a... Is the last name Calrissian? Blando Calrissian? No, that's... (laughs) That's Lando's white cousin. <laughs> so, last god number one from DC. Get on it for $1.99. Discount comic book service does not mind late orders or order editions, and you get your books all packaged beautifully, sound, safe, secure, and delivered right to the front door or the back, wherever you get your stuff, of your domicile. It's so easy. A dog could do it. I bet. A really smart dog could do it. No doubt. Yeah. And it's so much easier for humans because we have opposable <laughs> thumbs. That's so, yeah, DCBService.com. All right. I'm drinking. I'm drinking the liquor. Mm. Yes. I hardly know her. I'm drinking Sam Adams because it is, by my estimation, the tastiest beer of all time. And now I didn't say it's the best beer. I said it's the tastiest yeah. beer. Of all right. Time. It's like we do our favorites in the yes. 11 o'clock cruise versus the best. Yes. It sure is damn tasty. I wish I shared your enthusiasm for it. It's lightweight. You know, it's not going to get you hammered, but it has a, I think it has a wonderful taste. There's a little bit of malt in it, a little bit of creaminess, just a little. Yeah, uh, I, I think it has a wonderful taste. What? I like, I, I like the same apps. Yeah. Yeah, nondescript. It's not going to knock you on your ass, and you don't get hit in the face with the hops. Sometimes that's a good thing. It is all the time a good thing. No, it's not. Sometimes. It doesn't get you all bloated like a hoppy beer will. Exactly. Yeah. So, Sam Adams. Bada-boom. What you got, Jason? Well, I I am surprising you all. I actually have a glass of red wine ready to be drank. It's Sterling, Meritage, and uh, I am treating myself today. Treat yourself. I like it. Yes. That is good. Meritage is good. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I've been, uh, I started early tonight. Um, I behaved all week and, um, even when I didn't want to, especially last night, I even behaved. Um, but, uh, we both, my wife and I both worked all day through lunch. So we decided, you know what? She wants something from our spot. I'll get something from our spot. Oh, so the spot. I, the spot. I um, I don't I don't hate drink wine, so I was not <laughs> I was not in the mood for a red. So I'm like, all right. So I'm going to sit here and wait for my food, so I can go home. I'll have a Guinness Blonde. And then my food wasn't done. Food wasn't ready by the time I finished that glass. So I chased it with makers on a big ass cube. So then I came home and with dinner, I had a shock top Belgian white. And now this is a shout out to our boy Hassan because he had this earlier this week. Oh no. Um, he is, he is, he is, uh, he's, he's a group chat buddy and I love him. And this is Habiki Suntory whiskey. Japanese harmony. Oh, that's, awesome. the, time. that's the devil's piss. That stuff is, it is ne- not. The it is the piss. devil's Stop. piss. Yes, it oh, is. Time. Yes, it makes I, you do horrible, I, terrible things. <laughs> You're adorable. And after I finish this glass with the big ass cube, I'm going to enjoy some seltzer to to just mellow out the rest of the it's night. It's tasty. So, yeah, this is, it sure it is, is tasty. Yeah, it's it is. Of, it's it's a nice blend of um of of uh, of whiskeys. It's I love the bottle. I really like the label. Um, I, I think of him whenever I see the bottle in the cabinet, and um, and I don't have it too often. But again, based on the shit that I've dealt with this week, and because he started it, and because I know Vince loves it, yeah, I had to. There should be I, a disclaimer on that bottle. <laughs> Surgeon General's warning. You will act like an asshole if you drink this. Nearly throw <laughs> up. <laughs> nearly throw up in an Uber and then finally throw up in the front of a Michaels. Was it a Michaels? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Twice. There is a Marshalls. Marshalls. That is not on here at all. No, yeah. And they should have that on every bottle. It does tell you consumption yep. of ability to drive a car or operate machinery and may cause health problems. There yeah. it is. <laughs> it, you know what that that's that's code lingo. May cause health mm-hmm. problems means you're going to act like an asshole if you drink this. <laughs> Don't say mental health problems. There you go. All uh, right. Uh, so how we been? Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> we know how all of us have been. Well, yeah. Yeah. I know Jason's been fucking burning at both ends because he's just... Oh, man. Yes. Well, you get time, fellas. For it those is, not is. keeping score or unaware of what we go through behind the scenes... We had a rough week. Jason has, you know, we sacrifice for these people. Yeah, they appreciate it. Jason has the gay porn shoots during the day, <laughs> and then no, it was a rough week for all of us. And now we're we're here to chill on out, talk about some comics, and that's what we're going to do. We're not going to bore you with the details. We're just going to enlighten you with the details of the comics. So let's Damn, jump. Skip it, yeah, skip it. unless we have any thank yous, I don't know if we do. I don't. Personally, I mean, I want to thank you guys just for putting up with, you know, my my absence. But other than that, I have no thank yous. I don't think I do. And I was, and I feel, I do feel a little bad. I mean, I know you already thanked them because you drank it already. But I, I, I was all set 
to drink the Hellboy. Um, was it? No, it's the Indigo. The Indigo is this time. The yeah. Was this time. Um, but considering I've already had two beers, um, mm. I didn't want to not waste, but I, I want to enjoy what Darren sent us. So I, I still do have it in the fridge. I can't wait to have it. Um, so this is a preemptive thank you and, and a post thank you since we already did. But um, you think, I'm looking forward to it. You think too much. Maybe. So hold on one second. Uh, hold on one second. We have a thank you. I almost forgot about it. I'm just trying to. I want to make sure I say the name right. Okay. So I'm just looking it up. Hold on one second. While we're waiting, you can search for uh, Jason's newest epic um, film. Make up, make up a funny name, David. <laughs> Poor little white guy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, ready. <laughs> The toy. <laughs> oh, that's Gil. That's, that's, that's Gil from... Oh, my God. The toy. Holy shit. The toy is a classic. It sure is. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Um, long-time listener and supporter, uh, and uh, you guys know of him, but uh, and I, I hope I'm getting your name right, but if I'm not, apologies. Uh, Zhao? Right, J O A O, Portuguese, yeah. right? Yep. Jao Luis Antunes is a listener and participant in our groups, and he hit me up because he wanted to send all of us a gift. What? And he did so to me. So when I see y'all fools next, uh, I will give you yours. But not only did he send this book, but he sent us each a copy of two different books. Uh, and it's very fitting that we were talking uh, about something I want to talk about. Um, I I talked about this creator a few years back when he did an adaptation of Moby Dick, Mr. Chabute. Yes, yes, yes. And Zhao was very kind because he's a huge fan of Chabute. He sent us each brand spanking new copies, so three copies each of Chabute's books, Alone and Park Bench. Oh, Oh, nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you so much. So uh, once we distribute them, we'll read them and talk about them. Hell yeah. Uh, on the show. But uh, super awesome. And uh, much love to him for that. Fantastic uh, cartoonist. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's, that, that's awesome. Thank mm-hmm. you so much. Uh, while while Jason was looking for that, I decided to make sure we mention it tonight now at the start. Instead of later on when scrambling for it, I want to give a huge, massive shout out and huge congrats. Because I'm happy for my boy. Because it's 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 been a rough couple weeks shout out to larry bishop for his patronage and for ian boma e robinson who was a patron and is now a patron again so much love to both you all for um subscribing and being part of the family nice nice while we're on the subject the uh, care packages are winging their way out, so yes. prepare to receive them. We're doing—I don't know about you two guys—we're um, doing uh, tracking numbers this time. The evil, dreaded, infernal tracking sure, numbers. Sure. I mean, I always—I I yeah. don't always send them to the people. Well, I—I I, I, I always keep them because I want to—I I use the same app that I use when DCBS tells me their shit's coming. I use the same app. I, I scan it while, while I'm at the post office. I use the app. I scan it. 
so that once I know it leaves the post office, so I still have a bunch of people who haven't, and that's fine. You know, kids not everybody apps. has time, but it's you know I I know when things have been delivered or maybe not delivered, and and if somebody comes back to me and says um, or asks us, "Where's my stuff?" I, I can at least say it's it was dropped off at at the front porch or whatever. Whoa, 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 whoa! You check the receiver's thing with the with the tracking number. I yes, yeah. I know when when it's when it, this way. I know when it's been delivered, or if I know if something happens to it. Oh. I didn't even think of doing that, but you know what? I'm I'm still not going to do it. <laughs> no way! It's out of it's out of my hands. Take it. Right. Let's no, go. I get it. If they it. if they say something is up, then at least I can. Right. Yeah, go back. But no, that's no too much work for me. That that's that's we're 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 sidetracking. But yes, it's yes. right. We're doing. We're making sure. Yeah, what we're going to do is every time something gets sent, we will um, send you a message through the Patreon and uh, which tracking info. So this way, um, we're all yep. on the same page. We know, you know, if it's been a couple of weeks and you're like, "Where's my shit?" Where's and my shit? Be like, it's been a while, right? Oh boy! Wow, dude, you guys are just not fun tonight. What? We oh, are hella fun, Matt. Dude, I did. It's been a while, and you're like, okay. Well, well, I mean, I, you know, shout out for Stained. I'm sure. Stained. Is that who sang it? I couldn't even yeah, say it. I believe yeah. it was a Trumper. Maybe that's um, why I went because uh, it was oh, Stained. Stained is Trumpers. I think no. I think I think the lead singer is. I don't know about the rest. The rest uh, well, of the band. The rest of the band like, is oh, my that proxy. Like Scott Storch is that him? No, that's uh, Larry you're Storch. The, you're the dude from. You think it's Scott Stapp from Creed? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I get the he's probably fucking second born again shit. But the um. Now, if Larry Storch um, was fronting stage, it'd be a whole better band. I was, um, damn it. See, we're all having a good time because I know Vince and I both read the same thing, which was a lot of fun. Almost. Thank God that you read it. I was, I put it on my list. And you didn't uh, have your list up till very, no, very I, late. My, my list was updated until just now. So right. So I, I, was, I was saying to myself, well, I, I really hope that you read it because I didn't want to ruin any of it I for you. got to read it. Good, good. And David is, of course, talking. Jason, we're going first. David is, of course, <laughs> talking about <laughs> Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, number two. I read it. You read it too? Yep. Awesome. My dude. Written by Matt Fraction, art by Steve Lieber and Nathan Fa- Fairbairn from DC. Of course, it's a 12-issue maxi-series, but you know what? I'm thinking if the rest of the series is this good, we're going to get more Jimmy Olsen from this creative team because this nah, is just... Fra- Fraction ain't going to do more. You don't think so? Nah. Well, how many freaking Hawkeye issues did he do? <laughs> that was back when he was doing Big Two Comics. This is a gift. This is a... This is a special favor Ben is called in. Wow. But anyway, you got 10 more issues of it, so why why lament? <laughs> but don't be upset now. You still got 10 yeah. more months to be upset. Don't, don't be bitter. You consider. Well, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny to me that the, the favor is ended up being better than the, the OG, but whatever. Wow. I don't want to go there. Thanks to the artist right now. But right. so the book is a uh, a pseudo anthology by the same creative team. You get different chapters of continuing stories from different timelines in um well let's call it Metropolis history. We check in first with Joachim Olsen, 
um, Jimmy's, what was it, great, great, great grandfather? This, this time, this month, it's just his distant relative. His distant relative. But, I mean, I, I actually looked into it before the first, I mean, when we read the first issue. I think it's his great, great, whatever, 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 either grandfather or uncle, but that whatever the case. And his interaction with a distant relative of Lex Luthor's, Luthias Alexander, and if you remember in the first issue, Joachim went over a waterfall, right? Yes. A, yeah, and uh, his uh, fate was unknown. And in this issue, we find out that Joachim did, in fact, survive the waterfall. And in in going over, he uh, came into a very uh, fortuitous uh, finding, a giant chunk of gold. So we know that Joachim is instrumental in the formation of Metropolis. And this is one of the reasons why, because he probably turns out to be stinking rich from this this giant nugget. I mean, he's a big man, and the, the nugget is larger than his big man hands. So I'm thinking that's a lot of Skrilla from that chunk of gold, right? But it's only two yeah. pages. We only get two pages, which is enough, I think, for the Joachim stuff. And yep. then it, it launches into um, Jimmy and his brother Julian in uh, a little uh, chapter called My Big Brother, and it's the um, the difference between the two brothers is illustrated here. Julian is pissed at Jimmy because Jimmy apparently ruins everything he touches. Um, Julian was and, and the Olsen family were very much proponents for the um, the lion statue that was guarding Metropolis. And you know what happened to that in the first issue. And that prompts, you know, Julian to say, you, you ruin everything you touch. And, of course, he doesn't – he pushes Jimmy at one point, and Jimmy ruins um, a, a mock-up of Metropolis in Julian's office. And that says, you know, you ruin everything. But if he wouldn't have ruined it if Julian didn't push him. Exactly. So you bring it on yourself, my man. Yeah. Um, but the canny thing about this – creative team is they plant little seeds like when this chapter opens jimmy's going into a little fridge built into the the, the cabinets and above him is a uh photograph that jimmy took that won him the pulitzer <laughs> prize a, a fo photo of lex luthor which won him the, the pulitzer prize and then in the next story we get the tale of how, in fact, Jimmy did win, the how he did take that photograph of Lex Luthor, and in fact, he tripped over his untied shoelaces, and it was it was a total. Uh, the universe just gave him this, and that's how he got it. But uh, the but, thing, but also, but also, um, because, like you said, it's an anthology. So we we every time we we change scenes, it's a whole new. New chapter heading. So as as Jimmy is telling his brother how he got the Pulitzer, Julian says, yes, why, well, yes, you, you you have about 17 million times. And, and the panel ends. And then we get how he won it by his untied shoes. But then he turned the page again, and Julian finishes his sentence. I'm give or take a few million, right? But not today. So, so James, no. So Only Jimmy in comics. So, 
Right. Only in comics. You can't do that. In right. you could do it in in um, cinema, but it wouldn't have the fl- it wouldn't have the the resonance that it does in comics mm-hmm. because it would be awkward on the screen if you break up. Yeah. A, a, be, a piece of of audio dialogue and then pick it up later. Like the brain wouldn't catch up to it. It wouldn't recognize it as quickly as it does in comics, where there's so many things to latch onto. The panel is exactly the same. The dialogue balloon in in the beginning of the sentence is on the bottom of the panel, whereas the dialogue balloon at the end of the sentence is at the top, and the words are bumped right up to the side of the the dialogue balloon, which I mean it 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 just works. There's there's a there's a, a recognition there with it that's like oh that is awesome. So this picks up exactly like a, a fraction of a millisecond later. It's the same sentence with the flashback thrown in. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful storytelling, I think. Yes, I agree. This is a very surprising. I did not expect this book to be this good. I ordered it because I love Jimmy Olsen. Sure. I, I love the madcap wackiness of Jimmy Olsen. That's from the the story that was in Event Leviathan, the preview story with deck star and the the yeah. the ape city that told me everything i needed to know i was like okay i'm ordering this sight right. unseen i'm getting the whole 12 issues i mean to your point that is that's it i wish all previews were like that that was an incredibly effective preview it was short distinct sexy and that in that it wasn't just giving us the first half of the first issue of the series right but it told you exactly what you were going to get visually aesthetically tone yeah a perfect preview yeah if you are going to give me five pages of preview material that i will later have to pay for again in the first issue Mm. that doesn't really entice me to to pick anything up like if you're just you're basically recycling material Mm -hmm. it was a very classy move on on dc's part to commission a new story I'll, you know, whatever i mean the length was, it was short but it was a new story that appeared in a book that you know was a super family book and now when they collect it you know you know that's going to be collected in the in the eventual jimmy olsen trade so it's it's just wonderful reader relations to me or buyer relations i should say you give me something new Wow, you can only get this story in this event Leviathan thing. That's the only, well, and then the eventual trade. But it's a completely new story that you're not going to see again in, unless you buy a trade. That's wonderful. You're not paying for it twice. That's what kills me when you pay yeah. for things twice. I mean, how old are we? We're 12. <laughs> uh, but the story that really had me going. And it's, I think it's a wonderful illustration of the relationship between Jimmy Olsen and Superman. It's, um, just, it's very simple. It's Jimmy and Superman on a rooftop shooting a video. And because people love Olsen for the funny, so he assumes Jimmy's got to keep bringing the funny. He does a little video with Superman where Superman illustrates his superpowers and they amount to <laughs> Nothing more than bending his thumb back, um, botched card tricks, uh, wig wearing, and uh, hot dog eating. It's a joke. It's a total farce. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's played for laughs. But 
the and I know my brother David is going to say the same thing I'm going to say the 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 single panel of pure gold in this issue is Superman holding up a card saying is this your card and, <laughs> and his eyes he's got the Homer the Homer wandering eye again it's beautiful it's just so silly and stupid I never you know what when, when I think of if you if you would ask me, you know, who are, off the top of your head, your favorite Superman artists who really capture the character? You know, I'd say, of course, I'd, I'd, I'd say Byrne. I'd say, I'd say Jerkins. I'd say Grummet. Like, or, it, Ordway. It wouldn't, right? It, it wouldn't, because Ordway's just that, 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 that boring modern day stuff. And not, not boring, but Wayne boring. But it's, I don't know if I ever, ever would have guessed to say, oh, you know who I'd like to see draw Superman? Maybe Steve Lieber. Yeah. I, and he has blown me. It's a Jimmy Olsen comic book, but every chance he gets to draw Clark or <laughs> Superman, just, <laughs> he's still mm-hmm. like, it's, it's, I just, I'm, he is, he is the, my absolute favorite part about this book. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's so goofy. Um, yeah, and and the the weird thing about it is during this sequence where it's supposed to be played for laughs, the serious aspect of this tale is coming from Jimmy. Jimmy's not cracking too many smiles during this story, because he's he's like, all right, let's just let's do this video, let's just get this done, and and Jimmy's like, well, you know, the people want the silly from me, and Superman's like. But you're you're a hero too. I mean, look at all the things you've done. And then there's a montage of, of Jimmy fighting alien creatures and beating off Brainiac, and and I mean, they're old nuggets. A lot of them are. I haven't read every Jimmy Olsen story, but a lot of them are nuggets from past stories. Um, but it, there's one panel in particular that shows Jimmy in um, uh, as a field uh, ph- photographer in a in a battle situation, and he's got he's messed up. I mean, he's bleeding. He's he's got the 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 uh, army issue uh, uniform on with the with the flak helmet. I mean, he's looking bad, and he's sleeping. And Clark is just as Clark Kent is in the front of front of the the foreground of the panel, just staring into. It looks like a a monitor or something, maybe or or something. He's he's not paying too much attention to Jimmy, but Jimmy's like right. asleep, and it's just it's a wonderful panel. It's like, yeah, all this goofy stuff went on, but then Jimmy does some 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 hardcore real shit too. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just a wonderful illustration of of this this relationship that Jimmy and Superman have. It's great and it's so simple. It is. It yeah. is. And and it it's after we um after Superman and, and cause that, that montage is happening because Superman wants wants Jimmy to come with him because, you know, it's it's you know, it'll it, it's the first boots on the ground. You can document it as it happens. You know, it's it's. Um, but again, it's like earlier with, with with the earlier chapter between Jimmy and his brother. Superman starts by saying, you know, but Jim, you, and then we get the montage. Um, you sure? Because you know, and and Jimmy's like, yeah, this is this is what I this is what I got to do. <laughs> and then, uh, sorry, did I just burp? Yes, you did. <laughs> you did. <laughs> But you, because you've been eating hot dogs like like Superman, <laughs> um, so that's that. That's you know you wanted to. It's like it's like an audio book. Um, so then we cut to Lex and Julian talking about this damn lion, 
um, and how Monarch Lex of Metropolis wants yeah. to move forward with 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 bringing good to the citizens of the city. Um, but then the issue ends with Jimmy back. It, we, we, we pick up where we left off at the end of the first issue with Jimmy and Gotham. And uh, we're not real sure still why we, we haven't delved into that aspect of it. It's just Jimmy in, in that stank, grimy hotel room. Um, and, uh, and there are, pictures x'd out pictures on the wall and, and and you know he's 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 mind mapping things out um and and he has to uh he's he's got to make a phone call um with a giant and, and, a giant receiver that receiver is fucking giant it is huge <laughs> and uh I didn't, I didn't really pick up on that you just said it massive it's, buttons it's, that's like a kid's it's a preschool phone it's or 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 an old person's phone, but yes. <laughs> um, so so the last page is um, is Lois in all her misspelling glory, uh, with uh, with a bunch of post it notes, which may lead to you know which which may yeah, clue you in on future happenings or things going on in the Bendis books. But um, Lois answers the phone. All she says is on my way. She beats feet out the office. Clark turns around, just asking Lois. And then next issue, everybody dies, even Jimmy. But you already knew that. Yeah. This is so wonderful. It's it's exactly the book I needed. I, yeah. There no, you go. I, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's it's. I didn't. You know. I. Again. With the whole. I mean, with the with with, with the Leviathan special, and and if you read if you're reading Event Leviathan, just that miniseries, that's got nothing to do really with anything. That kind of. I mean, yeah, maybe a couple of chapters had to deal with, with, with that miniseries. But I mean, it's, 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 it's Leviathan rising special and we have the lowest stories. We have the Jimmy stories, but neither maxi series has anything to do with that miniseries, that event, right. all that even, even action, because what, what's going on in action comics is, is, you know, it, event Leviathan's already happened in action comics and, and, and in Superman, he's, dealing with Rogos are still because that, that that's leading into Legion. So it's, it's, you know, everything's kind of its own thing. So it's nice that, you know, you don't have to read one Superman related book to find out what's going on elsewhere. This, this Jimmy Olsen book is a complete as of right as two issues, but as of right now is a complete standalone tale. You don't have to read anything else that's going on in the Superman corner of the DC universe to, to be enjoying Jimmy Olsen. Yeah. But there's a there's a craft, a level of craft on display here that is not commonly seen, I think. With the, the chapter heads, the the giant mm-hmm. panels, the, the magnificent double page spread of, of Jimmy and Superman sitting on a ledge and the sprawling metropolis behind them. It's the the like we said about the split dialogue balloons with the flashback in, inserted in between them and the 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 video camera um treatment of the panels some panels like they're covering all their bases on this book i mean there's attention paid to everything every aspect of it when it's talking heads you get the dialogue above the panels in in a in a, a newscast interview type situation where it's just it's a magnificent book. I mean, I think 
it yes, on the one hand, it's very lighthearted and you can say fluffy at times, but they're really pulling out the toolbox of of best practices for sequential art or or at least classy very um in-depth ways of of detailing the narrative is what the, and it's just wonderful i just i it's a total freaking surprise to me yeah it's, it's, and when i look at the cover especially the second issue with 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 the yellow background and the purple it 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 reminds me and, and just jimmy running away um it reminds me of an old school cover it i may not yeah. necessarily be a, a a silver age cover but it just it reminds me of that that because it's it just it, it evokes that feel for me and it it's yeah i i the the creative team is just doing something wonderful with this and yeah um the front co- the cover is a bit of a ruse though but that's okay. It's a, oh yeah, yeah. yeah but, well, I mean, kind of the same thing with with the first cover because it was just him on the on the yeah. table, and, and so it's it may be leading to something, but it, it's not telling you what's right. happening in the story. Because I mean, some of these characters appeared in panels when in, in the Superman chapter of this issue, um, so it just might be something that uh, that that Lieber wanted to draw. But yeah. regardless, it's uh, yeah. The book and and it's it's. In the running, it may be a clear favorite for. Uh, did we do finite series or did we do limited series for for eleven o'clock? We yeah, there's we have. I never say limited series, but this is a maxi series, twelve issues. But I mean, still yeah, limited. Counts, it's are, limited. Yeah, still yeah. Limited. no, you're right. I mean, I, you can say most things are finite series anyway. But yeah, yeah. yeah. But the so. one question I have, and it, it's it's not bothering me, but I I think it's kind of strange that Superman returns from saving a cat and he's all banged up. Well, I like, don't think it was just. I don't think it was just the cat he was rescuing. I think he, um, he, because he he said when he when he he's like one sec, Jim, and he comes back and he goes, "I had a thing, sorry." And and I think I think the cat was just on the way back. On the way back. Yeah, because I mean he's looking uh, pretty roughed up. He is. Oh, absolutely. Because at first I was like, I didn't know if he was blushing, but when I looked back a couple of panels, I'm like, no, that's that, that that's some dirt and grime on the costume. Yeah. So yeah, it just it reminds me of the of, of the first Superman movie where you know. The, rescuing the cat was one of the first things he did for the little girl, and then he went, you know, and he and he took care of a, of a burglary and things like that. But um, he does look amazing in wigs. He really does, right? <laughs> he does look well. The like eyebrows are a dead gig away, yeah. It's, <laughs> but he's so serious too, pursing his lips. <laughs> I gotta make such that a, my profile pic. Such a good Great. book, yeah. <laughs> Jason, you haven't said much. No, I mean you guys are riffing. I'm, uh, you know, I'm just listening. No, I mean I, I enjoyed it. I, I definitely don't. It doesn't have the pull to me that it does to you guys. Clearly, just listening to you guys' excitement. But, um, but no, I, I think it's good. I think Lieber's great. He's, I, I, I have to say, I, I used to sleep on Lieber, and then when he did, uh, what was it, uh, Superior Foes of Spider Man. I thought that was pretty clever, and this is of that same ilk. So he's he's his. I, I don't. I'm not crazy about his line work per se. Like in in that, I don't think. Like I don't look at it and just gush or think, oh, I would wish I owned a page. But just in terms of telling a story, particularly one with humor in it, he's fantastic. So yeah, yeah this is it's very good. It's off to a good start. I don't have the 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 history or the uh, pull for Jimmy like y'all do, but 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 I am very much enjoying the story. So people listening that that maybe don't have that that uh, nostalgic 
uh, feel for for Jimmy, I, I can vouch that it's still very much worth reading. Yeah, you don't really need to know anything other than. No, I know, but yeah. you know how so much of superhero comics now is nostalgia, right? Right. It's like if you love those characters, you'd like to read a good version of them. If you don't love that character, you just kind of put it to the side. I'm saying, and but in some cases, it transcends that, and I think this definitely fits that. Right. Yeah. By the way, we we before we talk about more comics, I'm sure everybody listening wants wants us to weigh in on the uh, the news of the week. And I'm not talking about the <laughs> rainforest either. No, it's sadly you're not. But uh, yeah, I guess that is. Um, I don't know if Vince was aware of it, but yeah, that that's. I, I'm not sure how I feel about it yet. The news, of course, is that, uh, and I, I am, I am, I was reminded this week of how ubiquitous superheroes are because my social media feeds were full of this from a lot of people that certainly have probably never read a comic book in their lives. So it, it is interesting. I mean, objectively we know that superhero movies are just massive, but, but it's not often that they pierce that cultural zeitgeist in a way that has nothing to do with the comics. And in this case it did. And I was shocked at, at the, the reaction to this. But anyway, uh, for I have to imagine everyone listening to this podcast knows this, but uh, the five-year deal that has been in place between Sony and Disney um, for the Spider-Man franchise and characters has gone sour as they were attempting to re-up the deal. Both sides were negotiating and were extremely far apart, and they have ended the talks and walked away. So for from this point forward, uh, the, Kevin Feige, who is the head of, of Marvel Studios, will not be the executive producer of any Sony-related Spider-Man films. Uh, the Spider-Man films will be Sony's property entirely, again, as they used to be. So they will not be able to use or reference anything else in the MCU. And, of course, in future MCU movies, you will not be seeing... Tom Holland or anyone else in a Spidey suit. So at least unless they find a way to get another deal done, but for now it's dead. So, right. Cause we, I, there was no, there was, even though, um, far from home ended on a bit of a cliffhanger. Uh, there's still, there was nothing mentioned regarding Spider-Man with the phase four stuff. When, when it was announced. Um, right. So a lot of people were thinking, you know, I mean, this is all just the next couple of years. It takes a couple of years for in between movies. So we may see a Spider-Man related thing or MCU and Spidey related thing in phase five. So yeah, uh, there may still be a chance. And, and of course it's, it's, I'm not sure where I fall on things uh, when it comes to, um, I, people who it's a valid criticism i think for people who say that disney may have or marvel may have uh overreached in one of, in, in in what their new terms were to be uh and and i can kind of see where some people are saying listen uh, sony had five tries for spider-man films and it wasn't until the marvel cinematic universe had a hand in it that 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 they were successful and and for even though Venom was successful and Into the Spider Verse was successful for a live action movie where your your main character was part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe to 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 come back for a third movie with that character, um, 
I can see where some people may feel that that was short-sighted on Sony's part. I don't know because I can't think that far in advance to 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 where what's going to go on in in my world to to wonder to to think about what's going to happen with with these movies that are playing so far out. So I'm not sure really still where how I'm bothered by it if I'm bothered by it, but it it is to to those who it matters to a, a really big deal this week. Yeah, I, I'm the only thing I could see being said about is that I do think Tom Holland has brought life to the character in a way that the other two who had their moments didn't. I love Tom Holland as Spidey, as I think I you do as that. well. Yep. And so I think there's a better than fifty fifty chance that this ends his his time as Spider Man. Um just because they're gonna have to kinda go back to the drawing board to whatever extent they were already working on three. And it's probably going to delay things. And, and who knows if he's got other things in mind. So um, I don't have any. It's not like that was part of the story. I, I could be totally wrong there. But I do think it, it raises the chances that we've seen the last of Tom Holland as Spider-Man, yeah. which bums me out. Um, it doesn't make those, much sense for him to continue. Yeah, precisely. I mean, Yeah, so yeah. much of the, the characters tied up in Tony Stark. Exactly. That yeah. yeah. If, if even if they did. A, a reboot starring him it just it would fall flat because it doesn't make much sense the average yeah. the average viewer would go into it thinking wait a minute what's yeah, the deal yeah, i mean far from yeah. home was 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 very much the it was the epilogue of of endgame i mean it was it, it <laughs> yeah was, i mean it really is where you got the answers to what happened after endgame so anyway um for those that that aren't aware of the deal like we don't have to go back too far but but you might need to remember that uh, before Marvel was the juggernaut that it is, and 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 the the, the literally the center stone of of Disney Studios, um, Stan Lee had always wanted to. Uh, he always thought his the characters were were transcendent and could be in other mediums. So how we got the the Lou Ferrigno Hulk show and everything, and Stan spent a good chunk of his last decade um, when he was an executive at Marvel before he left the company uh, in Hollywood trying to get deals done. Um, but through through his own poor decisions and then the management that took over after his poor decisions, they got to a point where they mishandled the IP very badly and they essentially gave away the rights. And when I say give away, they did sell them, but they sold them for pennies on the dollar because they, they were in dire straits and they handed away the rights to things like, as we knew, the, the Fantastic Four and the Cosmic Characters and the X-Men and... And, and Spider-Man and Sony had the rights to Spider-Man and couldn't be in the Marvel movies. Um, and they were putting out their own movies, as Dapp said, to varying degrees of success. But the rules are pretty simple. Uh, Sony maintains the rights to 900 characters. Um, it's a big number. Um, and all they have to do is put out one movie featuring those characters every five years. So it's a very, very small hurdle for them to maintain their rights. And they have full economic rights to the characters in cinema. Um, so five years ago, when Marvel was, the, you know, finally had gotten to the big powerful position it is now, and Sony was coming off of a flop with the, with the last Andrew Garfield, Jamie Foxx debacle, um, they came to terms and put together a very rushed deal, almost a handshake deal, really. Um, and the deal was essentially Marvel would get back the rights to use spider-man in its films in any way it wanted um and in exchange 
they were going uh, they would also get 5% of the gross for any Spider-Man related film that they had a hand in um which doesn't sound like a lot but that's a lot of money i mean cuz it's gross it's off the top meaning it's they're the first ones to get paid out so if like if a Spider-Man movie does far from home did a billion um they're getting 50 million off the top before anybody else recoups anything. So it's a good deal. It's a decent deal. Um, so they got those two things. And then in exchange, they paid Sony $175 million in cash for the uh, in perpetuity merchandise rights. So essentially they, they bought back the rights to any movie related merch or toys or licensing. Um, and then they, they put Kevin Feige um, who heads up the studio in as executive producer to oversee the films so all of this was copacetic, right? It seemed to work for everybody. But now that the deal's up and Disney's fueling themselves, Disney was tired of that deal. And uh, originally it was reported they wanted 50-50 co-financing, meaning they would take half the risk. They would spend half the money to make the movies, and then they would get half the economics. Um, now, Disney subsequently said it was actually 30%, which is a more typical co-financing deal. Studios do these kinds of deals all the time. Uh, and then uh, they wanted that, and meanwhile, uh, Sony balked at that, and Sony wanted um, a bigger commitment for Kevin Feige's role. And they said they walked away from the deal because Marvel has put so much more on Kevin's plate with the Phase Four and all of the new IP that they're making films of, and the and the uh, stuff that they're working on TV-wise for the the uh, over the top. Disney Plus uh, thing that they didn't get a commitment that he would have the time to devote to their films, and without his involvement, they were weren't interested in having this deal anymore. So it's like a he said, she said, and who knows? It's probably somewhere in between. But the point is, from a studio financing standpoint, they're miles and miles apart, and so that's how you got to where you are now. And uh, you know, Dap, you're right. I mean, time will tell. I mean, listen. I think we all agree in a perfect world as fans of the stuff, I'd like it to continue the way it has been. But um, I mean, I could see Sony's view that they've kind of figured things out because while I think that the Marvel cinematic universe had a heavy hand in the Spidey films for sure. um, Venom was their own thing and it was quite successful. I mean, I know people laugh, but Venom made almost $900 million in the box office. Um, and they've already filmed Morbius. It's in post-production with Jared Leto. Um, so, and they have a couple others in the, in the hopper already. So, I th- And then, like you said, Into the Spider-Verse is completely their own thing. So I think at the end of the day, I, I can't say they're absolutely making the wrong decision here versus giving up a third to 50% of, of future profits. Um, so we'll see. Right time will tell if, if over the next five years they, they flop again. And Marvel's still crushing it every every movie. Then I'm guaranteed they'll find a way to come to a deal again. So, you know, this too shall pass. Yeah. We're going to be so inundated with superhero related films from all those angles, we're not going to notice, right? We're going to be caught up in the Fantastic Four being back and the Etern- right? It's, the Eternals and the X-Men and, 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 yeah, and then the New Gods and it's it, we're <laughs> Shang Chi. We're just not going to. There's there's going to be plenty of other things to distract us. Yeah. Thank goodness. All right. <laughs> Nothing can make Vince go quiet like like finance talk. Yes. I do like <laughs> give it a business side of things. But no, no I, artistic, artistically, <laughs> hey, who added, who added week, two bro. damn columns on the spreadsheet? This guy. Mm-hmm. That's true. You are the man. But, you are the man. Um, you heard? 
No, artistically, though. Equations in spreadsheets today, this oh, week. Oh, God. If you look at the Sony films artistically and the Marvel films, they're night and day. I don't care how oh, much, sure. how oh, much yeah. money Venom well, made. But, that's but, great. The Spider-Verse is the best of them all. That's so the I outlier, mean. though. That does not look that's like... That's the latest or, one. It, yeah, but it doesn't look or feel like a Sony movie. Sure. So that's great for them. But as, as I'm putting myself in the viewer's seat, who doesn't put as much stock into the movies as you both do. They're, they're enjoyable, yeah, but I don't, I don't live and die by the next Marvel movie. I just, I just don't care that much. But as a, as a viewer, having seen the entire 10 year Marvel cycle and what they did with Spider-Man, I would be very reluctant to even go to see a Sony Spider-Man movie. If it's, if, number one, if it's not Tom Holland, which it probably won't be, and two, if it's another reboot, why do I want to sit through another friggin' Spider-Man reboot? We've, we've already had four of them. Or mm-hmm. whatever. And, and the fact that it's not connected to the Marvel Universe, the Tony Stark is gone, the, the, the playful antics with, with all of, you know, the recognition with the Guardians and the Avengers, all that's gone. What are we going to get? Another Sandman villain? Of the, you know, or, or even, what, what's the best case scenario? Doc Ock again? Like, no, I don't want to see that. I don't want to start from scratch. I, I like the, the, the interaction of Tom with the Marvel Universe movies. Marvel well, we just Sin- got Mysterio, and that was cool. I didn't see yeah. that. So, Oh, okay. No. But, but anyway, I'm, I'm just saying, I, I don't think separating Spider-Man from the Marvel Universe is going to do Sony any good at this point. I, you make a billion dollars plus per movie, and, and millions and millions of people see it, and then you start a new status quo that has nothing to do with anything depicted in those billion-dollar movies, I don't think it's, a good, it's not a good look. It's going to be but like everything has its price, though, right? Like, first of all, they didn't make a billion dollars. The movie grossed a billion dollars, but their profits are a fraction of that. What about the merchandising? So they don't get the merchandising. Marvel got the merchandising back in the deal. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying I, I'm not looking at it as who made who. I'm looking at you're talking major big deal movies that everybody and their brother, Nancy the secretary from from the carpool. You know, she saw the movie. She loves them, right? But what I'm saying is, all Sony gets economically is the profits off of a movie that they make with this. Right. They don't get any of the merchandise. So if a million kids are buying Tom Holland action figures, Marvel's getting that. Disney's getting that money. Right. But so as so I said, as a viewer, like, I'm not talking yeah, about but money. What I'm, what I'm saying is, is that 5% gross on the top is a very hefty deal. Cause let's say they spend, let's say they make a movie for $400 million to call it. cost to make the movie and the movie does 500 million. They don't make a profit. Well, Marvel's getting paid off the gross. So so Marvel's taking their money either way. Right. Right? And and then they could be without any profit. So, um, I mean, that's the one thing about studio financing. Like, we all get caught up in, like, oh, these things are juggernauts. They are, but they're not anywhere near as profitable as you think because however much you think a movie costs to make, most of the time the general rule of thumb is they spend that same amount to market the movie. So when you hear, oh, a movie costs $240 million to make, it really is almost a half a billion dollars just to just to get the film out. So, you know, and then you got to pay the actors and the director and the producers, and you got to you got to give them points and everything. So, you know, a billion-dollar movie these days ain't what it used to be. I mean, if you're lucky, it means you make 50 to $75 million in profit, which, again, is a lot of money, but you're talking about for a multi-billion-dollar business that – has plenty of movies that don't turn any profit. So, 
Uh, I yeah, think there's, I a, there's another discussion in here about, you know, the current state of, of the, the cinema where exactly as you're saying, you, you dump huge amounts of money into these movies and you dump an equal amount of, of money to, to advertise these movies. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I think it would be far better if we went back to the, the old way of doing things where, you know, you didn't blitzkrieg the media. But then, I mean, people would find out about these movies with this internet thing. You know, you don't need to to barrage viewers with television and billboards. And, you know, I, I just think it's waste. Yes, I, I know nothing about this. But if you're spending a billion dollars and you're only making 200 million, like, so what's the point? You know, yes, 200 million is a lot of money. But That's you, the point. Right. 20% profit margins, any, most businesses would kill for that. So, again, uh, I, I plead ignorance. But I mean, as <laughs> yeah. a as a, a person on the sidelines, if if I sold if I bought something for a hundred bucks and I made and I sold it for one hundred twenty dollars, yeah, it's, it's you know whatever. That that's is that really worth my time? I don't know. Well, I, I don't know. If you bought twenty thousand hundred dollar things and sold exactly up for one hundred twenty, yes. you would be like, oh, it's worth doing. <laughs> yeah, but that's still twenty percent regardless. <laughs> sure, but yes. It's all about magnitude. It's all in context. Yeah, I know, I know. So enough anyway, of this. Let's talk comics. Yeah, yeah this yeah. this brain numbing thing. I, I I need to hear about the best thing Jason read this week. Oh, you damn I right! Saw images, oh, and shit. I uh, it almost looks like you know. I think honestly, and I didn't want to say this in in the thread. This because of your latest commission quest. I have a feeling this could just be you could put a book out like this soon enough. Well, I, I would love to be able to say that to be true. I, this is also fertile ground for reaching out to some of these fools and seeing if they're <laughs> selling these pages. But uh, yes, the best thing I read this week is From Hell's Heart, an illustrated celebration of the works of Herman Melville. Uh, it is um, by a Wave Blue World Productions, very clever publishing name. Uh, and it was the love child of Mr. John Arcudi. Uh, of the mainly of the Mignola verse fame for most of you. Um, but John, like myself and many others, shout out to Zach Cruze, who's also a part of this crew, uh, is a massive Herman Melville fan. And so he has been working for a long time on getting uh, a crew of fantastic creators together to pay homage. And uh, basically what they did is they did an illustration um, and the illustrations are not all Moby Dick, although it being his most accomplished work, a huge chunk of them are. But um, it, I get the sense that people were allowed to do anything that really floated their boat. And so we have uh, it's 122 pages. Um, I believe it's 61 different illustrations. Each page, each each. The layout is as follows. On the left page of every – when you open up the book, on the left you have a uh, – at the top left you have the artist's name. It's a all – the left page is all white, so like blank space. Artist's name at the bottom is a quote from the work in question, and then on the right is the illustration. And it is absolutely fan-frickin-tastic. And as Dapp alluded, about two years ago I added uh, to my – original art armentarium uh moby dick commissions and uh they have been absolute home runs so far and 
this is basically an art book of Moby Dick commissions in many ways. So, so I, I am elated um, and wish they were all mine, all mine, I tell you. But um, no, it's great. It's great. I mean, I, I guess what you could say it doesn't sound like a comic. It, it isn't necessarily a comic. I mean, it's more of an art book, um, but it is edited and created by a comic artist, and he did solicit um, 60 comic artists to draw um, for the book, so um, you know, I, I'm going to say it counts. Um, and uh, it is a, a, a incredibly diverse group of creators. Ryan Sook uh, is involved. Tony Fajula, um, Brandon Graham, who we haven't heard from in a minute. Wow, nice. Uh, I know, right? It's been a minute. Um, uh, you got uh, Gerardo Zafino, uh, son of Jorge, but uh, but but creator in his own right. Um, Andrea Muti. Um, Brom Revel, uh, Vince Loves from Gorillas, if I recall correctly. Yep. Um, but yeah, just just sixty artists and um, from all over the world, uh, and it's just it's fantastic. It really is. I, I just uh, um, if you, if you are in any way a fan of Moby Dick or um, or Melville, then then this is damn sure uh, up your alley. And I didn't count, but I'd say roughly. Uh, yeah, let's say sixty percent of the illustrations are Moby Dick related. So it's freaking amazing, dude! I need all these. All these pages need to be mine instantly. <laughs> all them they pages. All, all them pages. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, it's it's it, they're incredible. It really is incredible. I mean, um, yeah. I mean, it, and just because each artist is so different in their style, um, you know, you've got paintings, you've got you've got. Uh, Art Deco. You've got, you've got, uh, you know, tight pencils. You've got graphic illustrations. You've got uh, watercolors. You've got etchings. I mean, you name it. There's, there's, uh, they're there. So, like Ryan Sooks is is did not do a Moby Dick one. He he did a uh, from something from the Confidence Man, and um, it's it's like almost like a Melville painting. Uh, not a Melville. Um, it's um it's it's like a um Rockwell painting. Um, oh yeah, like which I didn't even know Sook had it in him. So, um, but uh, yeah, the Moby Dick ones are the ones that stand out the most to me. I, I needs them. Matthew Dunn, if you're listening, shout out, brother. I, I wish I could get them all for you. I wish I could buy them all for myself. Well, no, that's the thing. You don't buy them for yourself. Right. Someone gives them to you, and I wish yeah. I could give you a big old stack of, of illustrations. Uh, I'm guessing Gonzalo Ruggieri. Is an Italian artist and doesn't listen to us, but if someone happens to listen to this and translate and knows them, shout a brother out. <laughs> Why don't you explain to them what that means? Shout what? a brother out. I think people know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Dennis Medry. Oh, yeah. Hit a brother up. Nice. He did Queequeg in his coffin with a. It's, it's, uh, it's actually something I can see Jay Gonzo drawing. Um, not a, dis- not a, a, a dissimilar style, so. Uh, yeah, yeah, man. You know who would do a killer Moby Dick? I have a list of people I think would do killer Moby Dick. <laughs> Go ahead. Do you know who would do the tip of the mount of Moby Dick illustrations? Go ahead. Richard Corbin. Oh, I'm with you. He would absolutely annihilate a Moby Dick commission. Yeah, I'm with you. Yep. Have you ever seen how that man works with water? Oh, my God. I posted a few of the images on the Facebooks. Uh, my personal favorite is uh, Valerio Giangiordano's 
Um, it's the it's the big image on, on the Facebook post. Um, I posted four images, but it's the large one. Uh, oh my god, I uh, hurts my heart that it's not sitting here in my in my <laughs> TV room hanging on the wall. Maybe someday though, we'll see. See if I can track these guys down when I have a minute to come up for air. You know, I got them them artistic hunting Google sleuthing skills. So it's true. It'd be like put out the 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 sonar. I thought that was the Herculoids there for a second. <laughs> Either way, man, whatever gets me to their to their to their e doorstop. All right, Dap. Yep. Tell them. Tell them about it. What now? Go ahead. Whatever you read. Oh no 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 no! Because see, I I'm, I I love lobbing it to you two tonight because you promised. As we mentioned, a shout out to the Patreons earlier. We have. Um, even though we have the co- even though Vince posts the cover a day, oh yes, on Patreon he also for those of us in the Slack channel and the patrons who join us there, he has the EOC page a day, and yeah. in most cases these are double page spreads, so it's really lying. Eye candy, eye candy. It's it's yeah. it's uh, today's was um, especially uh, nice to look at, but it was also a. a um, a tease, yes, to those who know, because uh, he's going to be talking about it tonight. Okay, okay, you twisted my arm. My brother. I did, I did. As Jason likes to say, it's been a minute since we talked Judge Dredd and 2080. It's been a while. The last time we spoke on it was I don't even know, but it was it's, the um, yeah. it was the Harvey story about the um, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, the 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 android or the, yeah the yes. prototype yes and the mechanismo so i had a big stack of 2000 ad's and i said to myself well i best be getting my ass caught up and i did and there was one story that really really stood out to me um it appears in 2000 ad progs 2141 to 2145 it was written by Rob Williams and illustrated by the man to whom I would give a kidney, should he ever need one, Mr. Chris Weston, a master. Chris Weston is yeah. phenomenal. And on this particular story, I think he really shines so, 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 so brightly. And the color art was done by Chris Blythe. The story in question is called Control, and there's one drawback to this story. If you're not a Judge Dredd continuity nerd, yes, the story will be fulfilling in that it's very visceral, and you can just sit down and read these these five chapters, and you get it. You get the, the whole idea behind it. There's, But if you are a continuity nerd, you are very much rewarded because... This story uh, is basically the fallout from John Wagner's Day of Chaos, which gets the crown. It's the longest-running Dread serial ever, with 48 chapters and almost 300 pages. That's big for a Dread story. Yeah. Um, So the long story in a little, tiny, easily digestible pill, Day of Chaos, kicked into high gear with... A bio warfare expert, this this Elmore Yurgis, and he he cooks up a very special batch 
of something called Toxoplasma Gandhi, which causes people to become hyperviolent, psychotic murderers. It's like they become the cross without the cross on their face, right? Um, and this all happens within four days of exposure. There was a prediction made. The mayor of Mega City One died. And one of the candidates for the position was a psychic cadet named Hennessy. And he predicts that, all right, we're going to have a murder and then we're going to have a major catastrophe, both on election day. So you, then you get this Soviet assassin named Nadia who has a major grudge against Judge Dredd, who doesn't. And and she tries to fulfill Hennessy's prophecy by checking off the murder box on the list of things that were going to happen on election day. And she does it, right? Someone's murdering people like, oh, this prophecy must be true, right? We got to, something's going to happen. Anyway, the people Nadia was working for, they kidnap Yurgis. And a lot of pages later, this toxo, uh, Toxoplasma Gandhi, the chaos bug, rips through Mega City One. There's, there's a serial killer subplot. There's massive, massive casualties. The Academy of Law is destroyed. The dark judges emerge once again. But in the end, Mega City One lies in ruins and 350 million people have died. Like, creatively, on the creative side of things, they were like, they didn't think John Wagner would go th to this distance because it's basically a slate wiper. You, the, you can do you can do anything after this day of chaos because it's it's everything's in ruins now. Okay, here you go. Here's the ball. Build it back up. You know. So this control series uh, uh, serial, which is again again five chapters, it starts with this uh, female judge, Judge Pin, elderly, not 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 excessively so, but but past the prime of her life and um she was caught up in the horrible madness of chaos day she was a, f uh, a first-hand witness to the this senseless eradication of human life massive dump trucks filled with bodies pouring human remains into giant pits and um as she's witnessing this it's it, it's making a sound in her head you know and and she's she's trying to get the sound out of her head, the sound of the death, right? And the the sight drove this Judge Mason mad, young guy. Um, so she's teetering on the edge of sanity. She she reaches out to Judge Mason. She's she's trying to to calm him and and comfort him. And he snapped. He starts laughing uncontrollably at all this death. Like I, that's how I react to uncomfortable situations. I kind of laugh. I mean, it's a it's a defense mechanism, right? Um, you know, you're put in an uncomfortable situation. You, you, well, I laugh a little and sometimes a lot, just because it's 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 pushing you into it's pushing your brain into areas that you don't want to tread into. So my my instinct is is to laugh, laugh it off, right? Um, but there's no laughing off this when you have dump trucks just dropping scores of people into these massive pits so so he's laughing and and um her solution to to make him stop laughing is to slice his throat mm. and and this sequence is amazing because the the entire story is in color but when this flashback occurs weston's art switches to just black and white line work 
And when she cuts his throat, it's bright red. I mean, it's the thing you focus on immediately in the panel. It's gorgeous. The line work is just incomparable. Weston is is a god among men. To draw countless bodies being dumped into this giant pit. And um, I'm not going to ask you to imagine it because if you go to our website, 11oClockComics.com, and click on the link to the um, thread that highlights this episode, you will see an image gallery. And in that gallery will be this very page with the it's it's horrifying it really is because it it conjures up images of other things um historical things you know so your mind makes that cognitive leap to the horrors that happened in real life and you look at this and it's just like my god it's so it's very similar uncomfortably so right so um what when when while mason is laughing she imagines all of the bodies in the trucks laughing and pointing and, and giggling. And, and after she kills him, um, she, the, the, all the sound stops. She silenced him, but she also extinguished that, that maddening thrum of the devastation of chaos day in her own mind. And, and she draws this, this line. Okay, she silenced the voice of death. She, she stopped it. So by, by silencing it, it, in her mind anyway, it means that, you know, she, she staved off death. And that's the whole, that's her whole um, argument here, where she's trying to build this wall of purity between mankind and death. And weakness is an impurity. So any kind of weakness, any kind of imperfection allows death to breach the defenses. Like, she's obviously crazy. She's got massive PTSD from chaos day. Um, so she, she postulates that humans must become more than what they are to fend it off. We have to evolve spiritually, mentally. Um, humans have to become pure and perfect. And in doing so, we'll, we'll stave off the encroachment of death. It's completely batshit crazy. But she also has a grudge against Judge Dredd. Who doesn't have a grudge against right. Judge Dredd, right? Um, he kind of shamed her in front of other judges in a previous encounter. And and the, it's really neat because Williams echoes the sequence. In Judge Dredd says, I do not recognize your authority. And uh, in the story, Judge Pinn actually brings down Dredd. She uses the fact that Judge Dredd's eyes are cybernetic. His, his, huh. his organic oh, eyes. Really? Yes. His organic eyes were... Um, there was this time travel um, story with Judge Dredd and Judge Anderson, and he lost his eyes in that. So Justice Department issued him, you know, the standard cybernetic eyes. They they fixed them. They made them better. Um, and she hacks them. She hacks into Judge Dredd's eyes because she's a judge too, so she has access to such things. So she hacks into his eyes and she turns them off. Shit. So, so Dredd's blind, right? And she also has a mechanismo unit under her command. Like we said before, we talked about Harvey a while back. This is a giant robotic judge. And Dredd was easily laid low. So anyway, she buries Judge Dredd up to his neck and she plans on ways of killing him. Can't see. So, and, and he 
she perceives this moment of weakness in him where he he slighted her and so she uses that to say you're impure so therefore you gotta die and um she turns to him was as he's buried into up to his neck in this field littered with judge helmets as she kills a, a judge she takes the helmet right so there's there's row upon row of of judge helmets and then dreads in in the foreground and he's he's up to his neck she turns to him and she says i no longer recognize your authority so it's a neat little yeah it's a neat little bookend Mm. that you know you get the past incident and the present incident incident it's a great story obviously i'm not going to tell you the ending you know does judge dread live to to you know collar (laughs) another perp of course he does right but the 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 real joy i mean it's a great freaking story but the the real joy here is Chris Weston's art. It's impeccable. I cannot heap enough praise on Weston's art. I think he has ascended to a level that is godlike. The the massive bodies spiraling into the pits. There's there's a, a an illustration where uh, Judge Pin is is physically sick over what's going on, and she vomits, and her vomit is bodies, human bodies. Just spiraling out of her out of her mouth. It's gorgeous. I mean, yes, it's grotesque, but it is amazingly rendered. Um, there are um, a lot of rats in this story. That's all I'm going to say. There's a lot of rats, a lot of dead bodies, and the uh, the cover for uh, the last chapter. It's 2145. The cover is one of the best covers I've ever seen. It's just dread surrounded by a massive, uh, a to big mass of dead bodies, and it says body horror on it. And there's rats in it too. It's a it's a gorgeous cover. Like that's my gorgeous, just mm-hmm. just um, decaying bodies, rats, and Judge Dread. That's gorgeous to me. But it's just phenomenal. And these are the things that are buried in 2000 AD. I mean, yeah, it comes out every week, and sometimes I'll be honest. They don't hit the mark all the time, but they're producing a weekly anthology. Like, you're not going to hit the bullseye every week. But when they do, like this Control series, it's just legendary. This is definitely one of the best Judge Dredd stories I've ever read. And and like I said, you're rewarded for knowing what came before, but you don't really need it. This woman is crazy. She suffered a very traumatic experience with this chaos day. She snapped, mm-hmm. and now she wants to eradicate imperfection. That's all you need to know. Yeah, her. Yeah, it is just really, it's wonderful, wonderful stuff. Uh, the, the, as Jason likes to say, this is definitely the best thing I read all week. Nice. Yep. So there you go. Again, for those of you who weren't paying attention, 2000 AD Prague's 2141 to 2145. If you want to get in on the, the 2000, 2000 AD uh, trip, they offer in the previews you can get the whole month's worth of issues in a in a package. You don't oh. order 2000 AD issue by issue. You get them all. It's all or none for the month with them. So I mean, look in your uh, Rebellion slash 2000 AD section of the the previews, and if you want to get this, you can order a, in bulk all of the issues for the month. It's a great way to do it. That makes sense. I'm just a little pissed. Wow. Because in 2000 AD, there uh, frequently are ads for a series of books that are only available (laughs) in Britain. 
and and I've heard I've heard very very bad things about the publisher of these books. Like the uh, I guess Rebellion farms out the work okay. to, to to this publisher, and um, they also I guess farm out the distribution of the books to from uh, someone else. And I'm going to get you the name exactly because I don't want to. What's the name? Um, it's like the the classic collection. They're hardcover books that they can get at their newsagents that reproduce chunks of, say, um, Rogue Trooper. You get a big bunch of Rogue Trooper stories in a, one volume, and you'll get ABC Warriors in another volume, or Nemesis the Warlock, or Judge Dredd. And the spines of these books have an illustration on them that when you line them all up on your bookshelf, I mean, you better have a pretty big bookshelf because I guess there's like over a hundred of these things, right? Um, you get an illustration, but you can't get them here. I, I've sent the, I've sent them, um, numerous emails. Hey, where can we get these in the States? Nobody ever answers me. And I want them so bad, but I can't get them. And it would not be cost effective if I had a mule over in Britain who, you know, who lived there, who could send them to me by the time the postage and all that stuff and the person's time, it just wouldn't be cost effective. You know, so why they don't have a stateside arm of rebellion that would distribute these books and why they're not advertising the previews is beyond me because well, the, I'm greedy that, and I want them. Now, now, you know, Ian and Sarah's pain when there's no DCBS for them. Or I guess no you're right. Yeah. Care packages for them. Yeah. I, I you know, I, I, I understand. I really do. But um, yeah. it's called the ultimate collection. Here we go. And um, the 2000 AD Ultimate Collection graphic novel collection with definitive stories and exclusive bonus content. Issue 52 on sale now. It uh, looks like Strontium Dog. Uh, there's a, a URL, 2000ADcollection.com, but Hachette is the uh, the publisher and the distributor of these things. Hachette. And I, I hear horror stories from, from people within Britain not being able to get these things. So it doesn't look good for uh, stateside fans of, of these characters. But I just wish we could get them because they look phenomenal. And I have one volume, which is a tease because I have one, you know, and now I want all of them. But I, I, I wonder not... I wonder how heavy they are. Maybe Mark can uh... – Maybe Mark Lamey can throw some in his uh, suitcase. Well, they are fair. They, they, I mean, they're hardcover, so they're they're not light. It's not a trade, you know. They're at least two yeah. pounds, pound two pounds. So I mean, that's just ridiculous. He can't be taking those over. It's just not cost effective. It's not uh, logistically effective. I, I just I need to get these things. I need to find a some way to get them, but it doesn't look like it's ever going to happen. Mm. Oh well. C'est la vie, c'est la vie. Yes. So what else do we have? Uh, but, 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 but. Um, well, we, we haven't done our, our weekly Hicksman talk yet. Um, Can we talk for a second about how, I mean, it was kind of cute and funny when they were talking about the typos, but God damn, can they get a freaking copy editor? <laughs> you Holy think they were, shit, You think they dude. were a major publisher or something? I mean, seriously, dude, like, I don't understand that. Like, is it on purpose at this point? <laughs> like, what? I mean, I like, 
again, in the grand scheme of things, it probably doesn't matter, but it's it's just ironic because it's a book that that unlike most big two comic books is so focused on the graphics and the info. So when you give us a surviving Saul mutants and you call him Apocalypse instead of Apocalypse, <laughs> I don't know that that's forgivable. Like what? I mean, what? <laughs> There's like six words on that page. How could a copy editor not notice? Oh my God. I nearly fell out today. Seeing that Apocalypse. What? Holy shit. Anywho. Anyhow, ninja, please. But other than that, the, the issue was lit. I love the issue. I'm I'm glad that uh, for the most part, for 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 the powers of ten, since the previous two issues were all um, focusing on future timelines, each each chapter more or less, that we pretty much all. The, the the entire issue was uh in uh year one hundred and yes. um it was uh I I even though we're finding things out every time every week we read an issue and there's still questions when we're done but we kind of we, we think like you know okay so this is this is the way this future is being set up and then we think we have it in our head and then the next issue comes out and it's like Oh, so ambitious! This actually is still the Wolverine that is alive today, and and in in a hundred years from now, it wasn't because I, I I think you said it. it he was a clone or, or just a um, a chimera, just just a different. But based on the info page we have um, with, with the breakdowns of uh, of Cardinal and Rasputin and and Pestilence and and. Um, Famine, which is so Apocalypse Four Horsemen or Famine, which is Krakoa and Cipher, Pestilence, who's North, uh, Death is Zorn, who uh, I have a question about that, and um, and War is Wolverine, and underneath that it says James Howlett, Pure Blood, so it's still the same Logan that 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 we well, love, love today. No, no, because he's blonde. It, it's it is, but it's 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 is he blonde ultimate. or is it just grayish hair? It's Ultimate Wolverine, I'm pretty sure. Oh, he did go by James, didn't he? Yeah, because yeah. because he's in he he's he's in oh, the six one six. He's one of the Ultimate guys that got brought over. With his little beard. Okay, all right. Yeah, I mean, because the top of his hair looks brown in this. In and this and although that's still a long time to live, he's he's yeah. much younger than yes. So that, that's and, how I took it. I, I took it to be okay. Oh, right, yeah. I. I mean, but I don't know that for I'll sure. Just, I just assume that. Yeah. Oh yeah, we'll find out next week, sure. Yeah. But it, it's it's uh, and when um, I like the idea of Krakoa and Cipher merging, though that's pretty. cool. I do too. Um, so when when Zorn does when 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 Rasputin does remove the helmet, the mask, and we see that smiling face. Um, now I, I remember when. I don't remember the story in its entirety, but I do remember when 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 Zorn showed up. It was the whole mystery of you know who Zorn is, and um, and it was of course after the Paul Cassandra Nova thing and and Charles's twin in the womb, blah blah blah. But is should I think that that looks like Charles Xavier when 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 Rasputin reviews removes the mask? 
Oh, I didn't pick up on that. Let me take a look at the picture. Let's see. Because I just see somebody smiling in, in, in the blue light before we get the black hole. Well, the I mean, on the description page, they say that it's Quan Yin, which is the right. actual Zorn. So, okay. I, don't, I mean, so I don't know. I assumed it's. I mean, I don't remember what Zorn looked like back in, and if we ever saw Zorn's face in the Morrison run or or post. I don't. I don't. I don't know if I've ever. I've never seen Zorn's face before this. Well, Zorn's pretty confusing because, like you said, it. It was a whole thing, but um, introduced by Morrison, New X Men. But there were two Zorns. There was Shen and Quan Yin. Uh, Shen was supposed to be the brother, the twin brother of the OG Zorn, which is Quan Yin, which is what Hickman is saying this one is. So I'm not quite sure if he's playing fast and loose with that. But then. It turns out that, if I'm remembering correctly, Quan Yin was a duplicate of Magneto. So I'm not sure, again, if that's like in continuity now or not. Okay. I don't know that any of it really matters, to be honest with you. I mean, (laughs) it's true. But yeah, but, but I mean, ultimately, I guess what's important is that Zorn is hella powerful and his face is a black hole. Yes. (laughs) So. Um, take that what you will. And we got some more of uh, Moira's timeline, or her, the the ninth life at least, which was oh this, yeah we did the, 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 this issue. Fuck yeah uh, we did ends with and I really think um, that uh, I, I I've seen it elsewhere. It may have been in um, when I was chatting with uh, with Arnie and Caleb, but um, it I I feel like. They're missing out by not having the timeline as a as a uh, as a gatefold. Okay. Yeah. You didn't read this, did you? I did not. Damn. Taking a break. Right. Taking a break. Damn. It's fucking the fifth issue. Taking a break. <laughs> How do you go from wanting to spend an hour on each one, dissecting <laughs> page by page, to stopping after four issues? It's too much. I'm gonna I'm gonna read it when it's when it's all done and in one one lump. No. Yeah, it's too much. It's too much week per week. We 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 can't wait to talk about this after fucking New York Comic Con. Well, I didn't say we. I just said me. You guys can talk about it to your heart's content. It's it's just it's it's TMI. Too much information all every week. Baffled. Sorry. You're ready, your element, Donnie. I'm only baffled because, again, like you were so into diving into every nook and cranny of it. Like I could see if you were just like, "Ah, man, this is dense," and then it just wore out. But uh, well, I mean, yes, I am a little, little wore out. But that's okay. It happens. Maybe uh, who knows? Maybe in a couple weeks, I'll be like, I'll read them all, and I'll be like, "Dad, this is so dope." I'll turn into you. <laughs> what? I so want you to say this is so dope. No, maybe it is the regular Logan, boo, because. Because he looks like a regular Logan on those last two pages. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. It could be because he, he's got the brown hair. And then yeah, at the end, she's like, this is what you do. At the, and he's the best he is at what he does, which is killing. So Uh-huh. 
Yeah, maybe it is him. And I mean, and I think maybe he looks a little younger because he's healing. And then, yeah, yeah it could be. You know, or maybe Silver could just you know draw good, but still, no, it's it's it it still looks amazing. It's it's a beautiful looking book. Um, no, I mean Silver, as I said at the first Powers of of Ten book issue, he he's really leveled up. I mean, um, I remember. I think it was oh God. I could be wrong. Like, don't nobody nobody land based me on the socials if I got this wrong. But I seem to remember him drawing a couple of issues of GI Joe, and not feeling at all like like being like offended by it. Now this is many years ago, so if that if I'm right about that, he has come a long way. So poor Cardinal. I mean, there's just yeah. There's there's a this is. Yeah, I mean, and and for whether or not we see, see, it's hard to, it, it, it's weird. It's, I mean, it, if I just read it and I'm in the moment, I know I should feel something. I've, I've known some of these characters, you know, for five weeks, but I feel like, or, or four with powers, but it, it's, yeah, I know that this is, this is supposed to be big doings, but considering, you know, Two weeks ago, we find out about Moira's many lives. It's like, I don't know if... I'm not sure if I'm supposed to really take that these people are no longer going to be around and if that's it for them. And and, and so I don't... It's... It makes... Which is very similar to something that happens in Batman this week. It's just, I don't know... I know... I'm not trying to be jaded or, or 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 cynic, but it's based on what's led up to these things. It's hard for me to take it at face value. Like, how do I know that this actually really is what happened, or am I going to come back for the next issue and these characters are still going to be here because it's just under the timeline, or that was a dream and I just I I guess maybe I'm a little just desensitized reading them week to week. Not that it's information overload, but I just I I I guess I want to make I want to make sense of what I'm seeing and, and, and it's because of the games the writers are playing with 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 characters and timelines and settings, it's, it's, I don't, I don't know if what I'm seeing is actually, is actually real and I should be shocked and, and just screaming no, or if I should kind of just shrug because next week it'll all be better. Well, why would you scream and shout? I mean, it's in the future and we already know that she gets reincarnated because we've already seen her in her 10th life. Right. And because then I, I feel because it is such such a big moment. I mean, you know, here's a black hole, and it's like take care of everybody. And and I mean, not 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 with not necessarily with with Wolverine and Moira, but just just like with with Rasputin and and Cardinal. And and mm-hmm. so, I mean, we only know. I mean, we know Moira is going to be born again, and and we know her timelines. But some of the other characters we don't know, and and I don't know if you know since they were just just created, and I you know. Yeah, maybe he can just create some characters to, to to play with for a couple of weeks and then never again. But I I think the death of some of these characters should be a should give me some sort of reaction, regardless of how how short of a time I've I've known them. But I like because of the because of the moment, because of the mm-hmm. setting, because this 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 
this is a battle with with Nimrod and and that it's it's supposed to have some weight to it and and I I'm not feeling that weight only because of because of the way the story is being being told I guess yeah I think you're just supposed to feel like it's fly like you're flying by the seat of your pants and that the whole point of this is to avoid this future from ever happening I mean that's the whole point she, she okay. you know she that's he he gives her the information so she can go back into her tenth life and stop this from ever happening by making sure that these sentinels are never come to sentience. So I'm not focusing on what I'm supposed to be focusing on. Well, no, I, I'm just saying like it's a future story and it's an alternate timeline story. So it, it's, it's tough to understand why they would, why you would you, why you should take any of the deaths that seriously. Like you said, we didn't know these characters existed until three weeks ago. So, right. Okay. I mean, they certainly have hit the cultural zeitgeist. Lots of people are already getting commissions of these characters, particularly, oh, uh, yeah. particularly Rasputin. That's so where Cliff, who's all about it. <laughs> it's like that's his new Ileana. Um, the uh, yeah, I've, I, 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 I've been seeing memes and and like if if uh, just just like whenever like after The Walking Dead and everybody started dying and everybody was like, well, if anything happens to Daryl, we riot. And and I mean, people is feeling that way about Rasputin. Yeah. It's crazy. I love it though. I mean, it's great. It's it's, but I mean, and her visually, it's 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 a great looking character, and and it's you know, it's the joining the the, the combination of characters that, if you're a long time X Men reader, then you know that those are the two of the characters are. Um, you may think you know belong together and and should have. It's it's just it makes sense. So it's yeah. I'm sure it, it it hits you. It's the emotional aspect too. So it's mm-hmm. it's really it's it, it's clever. Not to strange segue, but you just mentioned Walking Dead briefly. I I, I have to say that um, very much enjoyed. Uh, Charlie Adlard was on um, was on David Harper's podcast off panel last week, and I thought it was terrific. Uh, I'd never heard Charlie, never met Charlie, never heard him. In an interview before, um, but listening to him de- decompress about The Walking Dead, it, it it was it really hit me hearing him talk about the fact that um, while both he and Hickman were on that book for fifteen years, there's a big difference between writing a book for fifteen years and drawing a book for fifteen years. I mean, when he started on Walking Dead, Charlie, this is he was thirty eight years old. His kid was just being born. Now his kid's in high school and he's 52 years old. Like, that is a lot of living where he's basically drawn the same thing through that entire chunk of his life without missing an issue. Like, that is an incredible feat in a time when we're lucky if an artist manages to draw an entire arc without needing a break. (laughs) Yes, true. (laughs) I mean, it's an incredible achievement. It really is. And and I, I guess... We all know that he did it, but 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 hearing him reflect on it just it don't it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Like man, like we got to give this guy way more props than he's getting because yeah. again, like Robert worked on a lot of other things during his fifteen years, right? I mean, he's written a ton of other st- stories while writing The Walking Dead, but Charlie drew the fucking Walking Dead for almost a decade and a half. Like that's crazy. Like the dedication to be the singular 
visual voice. It, it actually hurts my heart now, in, in, in now that it's over, that he wasn't the creator. I mean, he was the creator, yeah. like co-creator. Yeah. But I mean, that it's just it, it's because to 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 do a hundred and what eighty plus issues, yeah, without missing one, to not have done the first what six five. It was just six. It was just six, right? Yeah, the first trade was six. Yeah, just the first. So, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Tony. Yeah, it was six issues. But but uh, it just doesn't seem right. Like you know, he didn't create the like he didn't create the the the, the character designs, right? Like, yeah. but but I mean, I mean he created so, Michonne, right? He created Ezekiel. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah but yeah. Uh, but but yeah. I mean, as far as setting up the world and yeah, and, yeah. and of course Rick and and Coral. But there's Coral. just there's <laughs> um, no. I mean, I I, I agree with you 100. percent um, it's, and it's it, it was super secretive. Like he was talking about the end because you know there's all this conspiracy. Like, oh, why did Robert end it so abruptly? And blah blah. blah. He said uh, they planned this out almost four years ago, and they agreed to end with this issue being triple sized because from the start, because they when they mapped it out, they wanted to make sure they had the exact number of issues they needed for a fourth full size compendium. Um, so that they would have four compendiums uh, at the end, and he, they kept it so secret that the uh, Stefano Guadiano, the inker, they basically let him go uh, a year before they let him go. Meaning they sat him down and said, "Hey, Charlie's going to start inking the book again, um, but we're going to give you a year's. We're letting you know a year ahead of time so that you have plenty of time to you know adjust and get other gigs and stuff because we don't want to." leave you hanging but a year from now you'll need to have other work and they never told stefano that it was because charlie wanted to draw the last arc on his own yeah so nobody knew that's um, and that's and i mean i i I feel bad but at the same time i feel that's smart because the fewer people who know yeah, loose lips yeah. and all that so yeah right absolutely it it makes sense and and stefano was he did come on so that Charlie could make deadlines and yep. and and keep things tight and right. So I, I, it's not if he was there from the beginning, then I feel some kind of way. Sure. But I oh, mean, yeah, but, yeah. but he was there to to, to help out. And in, in this case, he was, um, you know, that that's well, uh, he served his purpose. As, as, yeah. as blunt as that is, it ties back to uh, events to 2018 because uh, Charlie was talking about how and he was very candid. I mentioned this in the Facebook. So I know you've been busy this week. You probably haven't seen it. Um, Adlard said that. Uh, and I really appreciated the candor. He said, uh, "Love Stefano's work. Thinks he did a great job, but he'll never he'll he'll always be the second best inker of Charlie's art, right? Because Charlie's the best inker." And he said that he didn't want to have an inker. He never planned on having an inker. He didn't have an inker before. He doesn't plan on ever having an inker again. But as Daff said, it just was from a commercial perspective when they agreed to go biweekly. It just had to happen. And, um, but that it just. He, he couldn't imagine not being able to ink the last few issues to say goodbye to the book himself. Uh, and that he, and the reason I brought up 2018 is he said, it's just funny to him the way that he thinks American comics creators view inking because it was such an integral part of the bullpen production of comics on Moss versus the British comic creators almost all grew up inking themselves. Right. And that's just how he was raised. That's how he was taught. And for him, pencils are just a exo, just a rough skeleton to help him visualize the scene, and then all the magic happens with the inks. And um, yeah, it was it was interesting to hear him 
speak that way, uh, you know, about uh, about a guy that worked with him for like 80 issues. <laughs> he, he was like, yeah, man, it's cool, but you're not as good as me, but it is what it is, you know, so. Yeah. Sal Basima said the same thing when I when I talked to him. Oh, I, really? I asked him, yeah, who's your favorite anchor on your work? He said me. He said himself? Yeah. yeah. Right, right, right. Okay. Yep. Yeah, and that, that's a whole other and, – and I – Did Jack ever ink himself? Like, obviously, it was very rare if he did, but I'm trying to think. Like, did he ever? Well, I'm sure he did, but um, I can't ever – Yeah, I can't think of anything. Think like, of anything. For, yeah. yeah. Mm. Mm. Good question. I would say no. Certainly. Just, just because he yeah. was all about kicking the pages out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, it's as, – as, as an outsider and, and, and someone who loves the – the process and, and, and the craft of inking penciled pages, I I have and it's wait wait till I get to it now. I, I have my opinion on on artists who yes, there are absolutely some artists who I think they, they know exactly what they want to do and, and and they feel that they're their best inkers, but then there are some some artists who I feel definitely benefit from an anchor, whether it's it's just because it it keep things neat and clean or or but yeah, I, it's it's weird. I don't know. I don't know too many artists that that would say that they would benefit from. I mean, you have people who you have great teams. Like I know, you know Ed McGinnis and Dexter Vines make a great team, and 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 I'm pretty sure that you know Ed may depending on time, Ed may want to ink his own work, but I don't think he would be working with, with Dex for as long as he has if he thought Dexter was doing a disservice to him. So, I mean, there, there, there are some artists who I know appreciate the what they get in return, but I don't know too many who would say that, you know, yeah, I, I, I need my anchor or I I just, I'm, I'm happy just doing pencils because... That's as far as my vision goes. I don't. It, it's weird, but I still think that that there's some. I and burn for me is is a perfect. I early burn okay, but 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 later burn, especially on the next men stuff. I, I felt he or even the Wonder Woman stuff. I didn't his his uh, his finished work was not as uh, as sharp or um, neat. As with when he's inked by by Kessel or Gordon or Giordano or Austin, but it's just you know it is even Perez. I think I think Perez benefits from an anchor um, in a lot of cases. But mm-hmm. I know that's I'm when not, Byrne started to slide for me with the Wonder Woman stuff, or with, yeah, or when, that, with when he started inking his own stuff on Next yeah. Man. I was yeah. like, hmm, a little bit sloppy there, John. A little bit, like not. Yeah, yeah. A, little, a lot of shadows in that. <laughs> <A lot of laughs> it's just, it's just one line too. It's just a lot of shadows. Yeah. And then the the later stuff, the next men, the, the like the epilogue, next men series that he did at IDW. It was a, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're a, not wrong. That's a rough Lincoln. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <You're> not wrong. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, this is a a giant discussion. I think in terms of purity, yes, an anchor only dilutes the original vision but yes you get the organic two-headed monster that only comes from from two human beings working together that's great 
Right. But the if, if you're talking Steve Rude, I think the only person ink Steve Rude is Steve Rude. I mean, there's there's guys that can make him shine, but if you want that that clarity of vision, that 100% Steve Rude style, Steve Rude has to ink it. You know, and but there are many guys out there who can't ink. They they don't have the the finesse to do the thicks and the thins and the feathering and the cross hatching. They just they block stuff in, which in which case that's how it should be inked, right? But mm-hmm. I mean, it's a it's a big 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 discussion. What's better, a singular vision or or a conglomeration of two two visions? I mean, I don't know. I can't say. Uh, but yeah, no, it's like sometimes one plus one is three. Yeah. Sometimes uh, this one plus one is a. You know, 1.7. Yeah, I mean, there are some guys that, like Richard Corbin. I wouldn't want to see anybody touch Richard Corbin's pencils but Richard Corbin. Right. But then you get Gene Colan. I mean, Gene and Tom Palmer, yikes. Right? Dap's silent. Well, you know, but yeah, no, go ahead. No, I'm listening. Oh, wow. No, I, it's it's because I, it, I, Palmer is 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 like Klaus Jansen. It's 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 there. It, they could be heavy hand. You you know when when Tom Palmer is is inking someone. That's true. But seeing Palmer on, like seeing Palmer on, Gil Kane or or Gene, you're, you're it's you're going to end up with some that beautiful images. But. <laughs> That's my dog. She sounds like a turkey. Yeah, she does. She does. Um, there's, uh, you know, or, or you have you have other. Um... Go ahead, Vince. No, I was just gonna say I think Tom Palmer is the most successful person to ever rank Gene. I would agree with that. I yeah. absolutely would agree with and that. Because I mean, we know what Gene looks like on his own. Oh uh, yeah, what a right. difficult yeah. task that is to ink exactly, Gene, right. who paints with a pencil. He does. He smears and he he creates these giant areas that how can you interpret that with ink with a solid where when Gene was just dragging that thing across the pencil across the page to to translate that into a solid color, a a solid um, shade is is mind boggling how he got what he got out of Gene's work. I mean, lesser Mm -hmm. talents. We've seen lesser talents on Gene's work and it some more often than not, it didn't look very good. Oh, right. true. Too true. Yeah, but then Gene is a a very unique specimen in terms of pencilers. I don't think they're well. Nobody penciled like Gene. He's he that's was, true. He was a very singular uh, vision there. But Absolutely, you're pretty quiet about Adlar. Do you do you not have love for Adlar? No, I really like Charlie Adlar. He's. Um, he doesn't have a lot of flourish and and a lot of 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 pomp in his work. He's he's very workmanlike, but that's not a bad thing, right? There's there's no stylistic flourishes in his work. There's no noodling. He just he's very matter of fact. I I, I didn't hear the interview, but I'm guessing Charlie Adler speaks in the very same manner that the pencils like very terse and to the point, right? He's got that bead on the on the bullseye, and he just goes for it. He doesn't do a lot of excessive line work, which is fine. Right? No, I mean he was a he was a very candid, like I said, matter of fact dude. He's British, obviously. Uh, 
um, which I think always, if you have an American ear, makes you sound smarter, right? <laughs> like the yeah, true. Yeah. Um, no, but he's he's like a cool dude. He was very relaxed. I think he's been on David's show before, so it's probably not a first time thing. And uh, and listen, the guy's living the life of Riley, right? Like he talked a lot about the fact that um, it's not lost on him that for the next 20 years, he's likely going to be making comics that a fraction of the people, right. Uh, are, like he said, he's, he's can't wait to be at a con in a few years and have someone say, people come in and say, Oh, what have you been up to? Because he's like, I'm sure whatever I'm doing next, like, no, ver- like a fraction of the people are going to even know it exists. Yeah, like vampire state building. Like, well, yes. right. Okay. That. But, but, but interestingly enough though, but to his credit, he was like, but I also understand how fortunate I am. I, I walking dead was such a phenomenon that, I have the financial security to do my own creator own stuff for the rest of my life. And I never have to worry about taking a paycheck from someone because I need the paycheck. And that right. is an incredible gift that very few of my peers enjoy. And I will never, ever, you know, I will hold that dear forever because he was also saying, as you can imagine, like it wasn't this, he didn't have some grand emotional depression over it being done. Right. Like it was time. You know, he had, he had, it had run its course. But on the flip so. side, when you devote 15 years of your life to something, yeah. like I, I'm hoping that he was very well compensated for his work because. Oh, no, he was a full partner. Okay. Because that's, yeah. that's your child being born. That's your child walking. Oh, no, no. He, he, yeah. he was, he was, he's a millionaire many times over. Good. Yeah. Good. All good. Yeah. <laughs> he's like I said, he's, he's, he's not. He is not hurting for cash. That's nice. Yes. Good for him. Yeah, I mean, while while we might have our criticisms of Robert or think that he's conveniently running his his publishing company in the way that he implored others to not yeah. theirs, <laughs> by all accounts, he's been a pretty fair partner to his uh, to his uh, artistic collaborators. Other than well. I was going to say, other than Tony, that's a whole different story. I mean, they had a, a big falling out, a lawsuit, and so forth and so on that got settled. So I don't really even know, quote unquote, who was to blame there. If it was just a mutual. It was probably one of those things where, if I had to guess, they were two young kids making a comic. They figured no, it would never be worth a penny, and they just didn't really have a deal that was legalized enough that it left people feeling salty in some kind of way once it became a thing. But uh, po- point being, I, I, I've never heard anyone say that he hasn't been very fair to his co-creators when it comes to monetizing the properties. Right. Well, like even, um, what's his, uh, God, I can't think of his name. Dude lives in Hoboken. Um, the, uh, guy who draws outcast, uh, Oh, um, um, as Yeah. Paul. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Um, yeah. Uh, he, he, I, I, I've heard again through the grapevine that he, he was very well compensated for out for outcast when it was picked up by Showtime and, so uh, yeah, so I, I don't think there's any worry about uh, Charlie. He's he's got Boku Dala. Awesome. Well, best case scenario, if uh, Tony stayed on the book, Walking Dead would have maybe reached twenty issues. Maybe. Mm. Well, that is as the story goes. Why it it went the way it did. Yeah, he's just too slow. Robert said, "Listen, man, I, I think this could be something, and I can't like we got to put it out." Yep. So. I don't, says, I don't blame him. You, I'm going to do something else. Yeah, I really don't blame him. No, know. how can you? I mean, I think I think we all agree Tony's an incredibly talented cartoonist. I, I love his work. I wish he was faster so we could see more of it. But he also has a long history of not having long tenures in books. Yeah, he falls off the boat a lot. Yeah. yeah he's Natalie Wood of comics. Remember Exterminators? That was a fun book. Yeah. 
Yeah. But truncated. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and I'm thinking because right. I guessed and, where and it was way, going. I'm, I'm thankful because, like you said, Walking Dead wouldn't have become what it became if Tony stuck on it. So we thank him for that. And we wouldn't have gotten Jerome Opeña if it wasn't for Tony not being able to stay on a book regularly. So, so, I get, so thanks, man. <laughs> Good looking out. Appreciate you. No, I, I ended Exterminators. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's because of me. Because I figured it out. Don't you remember when I when I, I I had this long, long, long post? I think it was even on the CGS forum where I, I mapped out where Exterminators was going and I, I, I got the I cracked the nut and figured out what he was doing, Simon Oliver was doing with the book, and then all of a sudden, uh Exterminators is being cancelled. I'm like, Okay, I figured it out. It was That's because of me. All because of me. Yep. <laughs> it's all because of you, bro. Yeah. No. Nah. But it could have been. Uh <laughs> let, Let's talk more about comics. How about that? Why? Let's do it. You want to do your new travels? That's another half hour right there. Oh, okay. <laughs> Trying to sign off. That's cool. <laughs> There's no pleasing you. None. That's <laughs> true, though. Hey, Dude, every- the only time I'm pleased is when I'm sitting here doing the show with y'all. Oh, nice. Aww. You'll be you'll be hella pleased come October when we're all together and spooning and shit. Damn right. Hey, everybody, if you want to get your comics, get them fast, get them delivered right to your door. There's only one place to go, and that's Discount Comic Book Service, the absolute best in the business. Nowhere else can you get comics with massive discounts as you can at dcbservice.com, such as from Image, you got the Copra number one. Please order this. Come on. From Michelle Fife, it's $1.99. Damn right. Count Crowley, Reluctant Monster Hunter out of Dark Horse, is also $1.99. And last but slightly not least, The Last God, book one of the Svelspire Chronicles, complete with map, from uh, DC, three ninety nine book. You're going to pay $1.99 for it. I'm getting it. Maybe the other guys are, but you should too. And your travels. I guess this is the episode of haven't talked about them in about a minute because I got some Valiant I want to talk about. You haven't thought about him in a minute. That's what I'm saying. I haven't. I haven't touched upon Valiant for various reasons yeah. uh, in in quite a while. But I read the entirety of Cullen Bunn, Adam Gorham, and Jose Villarubia's Punk Mambo five issue series. Uh, she is without a doubt one of my favorite Valiant characters, and um, I'm a little leery. When I, I dip my toe in the, the Cullen Bunn pond because the guy writes so many books that the hit to miss ratio is high just because of the volume of of what he does. Uh, he's hit or miss with me a lot. But I, I like the I, I really like the way he writes. It's just that some of the topics, some of the subject matters of his books, the, eh, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'll try I'll try the next one. Um, so it, this Punk Mambo series begins in New Orleans, Louisiana. And if you're going to get into the voodoo, what better place than to start than, than New Orleans? Because um, yeah. it's a hot spot. Yeah, it's a hot spot for the voodoo. Um, Punk Mambo's on a mission. Some of the street urchins uh, have gone missing, and they've been kidnapped by a family of deformed inbred cannibals. Uh, by the name of Grunch, so Mamba, and or Mambo and her Loa, Izon or I for short, 
they dispatched the grunch muscle pretty quickly and violently, guts all over the place. But they make their way to the rickety swamp shack where Mama Grunch is, is hiding out and things take an unexpected turn when Uncle Gunnysack, a.k.a. Tantan Makute, manifests and makes off with uh, Mambo's lo- loa. Just puts a bag, a gunny sack over it, takes the loa, blah, and the connection between the two are severed. So needless to say, Mambo's pretty pissed, although she'd never admit it, and she's kind of scared. She's contacted by the spirit of Marie Laveau. That's right. Marie Laveau's in this thing. Look it up if you're unclear on the name. She tells Mambo that Uncle Gunnysack comes from one place, Haiti. So Laveau scolds Mambo and says, you know, you're mangling the magic. You're, you're, you're using it selfishly. You're not doing it the right way. You don't control the Loa. The Loa controls you. But of course, we know it's the inverse with Mambo. She's She's the first to ever command a loa, right? So they're in Haiti, and Mambo is petitioned by the loa, the gods of voodoo. You got, and if you've read Brother Voodoo at Marvel, these names are going to be very familiar to you. You got Papa Legba, Baron Samedes in there, uh, Maman Brigitte, um, Aya Wedo and the Dambala. Like, these are all things we've seen in the Marvel series. Uh, but anyway, someone is abducting loa. And we want to know who this Uncle Gunnysack is working for and why they're taking all the loa. And um, the they provide Mambo with a, a hoongan, Joseph, which is a, a voodoo priest. Um, so as expected, Gunnysack pops up again and he kidnaps Marie Laveau this time, but not before Mambo tags her with a magic spear, which reveals uh, Marie Laveau's l- location to them. And it, it's all this, someone is stealing Loas. Why? Why would, you, why would you kidnap Loas? Well, there's a dude in this book called Azare Aguilard, and he's a man whose mother was a Mambo, but their father was a Hoongan, which means uh, he should be magically inclined, but he has no magical ability. He has the ability to cancel magic, and he gets into contact with punk mambo and so she's powerless and they, the shit's beaten out of her um she he's like the voodoo virgin of uh leech right you you mm-hmm. cancels your powers out uh, so he plans to kidnap all of the loa for what reason well i'm not going to spoil the beans read the damn book but adam goran's art is just beautiful beautiful stuff rough um very visceral, uh, very emotive line work. It's great. Uh, I, I have a a very um, love-hate relationship with Punk Mambo because I love the character, but part of me is like, well, yeah, she's just a female John Constantine. And mm-hmm. she, she does share a lot of the characteristics, John's characteristics. He's very acerbic. He's he's very antagonistic. He's, 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 he's very brusque and in your face and seemingly unconcerned with everyone in the world but himself but oh no he really has you know uh he's got a heart in there you just have to crack the the shell to get at it like she's the same thing but visually i think uh a punk chick in short shorts with the ripped 
you know, uh, leggings and the big boots and stuff. Like, visually, she appeals to me. There's a sexiness about the character, mm-hmm. even though she's a basically a female John Constantine. But I, I, I like the character a lot. And she's rendered very well in this thing. The the Loa are beautifully detailed, and it's it, I think it, it, it works really well, and I enjoyed it a lot. Punk Mambo, 1 to 5, from, from um, Valiant, Colin Bond, Adam Gorham, and Jose Villarubia. It's fun, fun stuff. Doesn't you don't need a major investment to read the damn thing? Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, I was hoping um, my inner travels was going to be a book from Dark Horse, but unfortunately, um, the LCS was was shorted one box. And that box contained what was in the box was um, my issue of Strayed, one other comic, and a bunch of Pokemon toys. So hopefully it'll be in um, next week. But what I did get to read, um, I didn't get to talk about yet, is the second issue of Batman Universe because I absolutely adore Nick Darrington's artwork. I need. A piece by Nick Darrington. And and every time Felix posts something, I'm so tempted. Um, but ain't happened yet. This issue, though, picks up right where we left off with uh, Green Arrow and Batman uh, with a um, slightly beaten Riddler. And there's a um, Riddler's riddles aren't really not as sharp and uh and and clever as they usually are and as the story progresses um riddler seems to be losing a step and the egg that he had stolen that 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 batman has been after and and the reason why green arrow has entered the picture is because he's been after the um uh he's he's chasing the buyer that really was trying to is selling the egg to um so riddler shows up to give the buyer the um the egg and and we find out it who who the buyer is and it's it's uh it's vince's favorite dc character vandal savage and um Le Ugg. <laughs> and um he uh basically the the egg has uh made rather it has effect on on the person who is in contact with the egg for a long period of time and it it, it kind of it's almost like it's, it's physically he still looks the same. It's not like he's 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 evolved into a um an ape, but but his his mentally he, he seems to be getting closer to, to approaching that. Um so while Batman is still trying to solve this mystery, uh Darrington draws a pretty cool looking bat cave, but apparently he's Batman isn't in the bat cave. It's a um it's it's virtual Batcave because he's in 
he's in the cockpit of his plane. Um, it's it's very Tony Stark at his helmet kind of thing, and it it's it's um, Batman's kind of in stealth mode now because he has to enter uh, Gorilla City and wants to. Um, and they don't take kindly to, to, to trespassers, so he's he has to be very very careful. Um, but he uh, he ends up um, meeting uh, King Namdi. They uh, the king hears Batman out, and they um, they. Batman's basically telling him, hey, listen, you know, the Riddler's here because he's trying to steal something. And, and, and the king's like, that. that's impossible. Nobody can get in. Um, turns out the king's wrong. They end up catching up to Riddler, who's sitting practically passed out or asleep in, in, in the throne. Um, there's a note in Riddler's hand. Batman reads it. Um, hands uh, is holding the egg. And the egg basically transports him to Thanagar. So uh, that's the end of the first, that's the end of the second issue. And apparently, I'm guessing Hawkman appears in issue three. Uh, Thank the gods. I had seen some, uh, before this, 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 this miniseries, as, as, as he was working on the, the giant sized hundred pages or whatever. Um, he would show Darrington would show images of, of Batman with various DC characters. And there's one with him and green lantern. And I just, I was, I was sold. I, I didn't care what the hell the story was about and what else was going on. I just, but, but, but seeing Batman next to green lantern. And there's also an issue coming up where, where Jonah Hex is involved. But again, this is because this, this serial that was, originally printed in the Walmart comics um, was the first appearance of Ginny Hex, who Bendis is using in, in Young Justice. Um, so it only makes sense for Jonah Hex to show up because Ginny had some memorabilia from uh, her distant relative. And um, and since Batman is, seems to be going hither and yon between space and, and everything else, it it, it, it makes sense. For him to meet up with Joan Hicks kind of reminds me of the old Justice League stories from from the um, from the Bronze Age, where uh, you know anybody would just show up, or or they they end up in the uh, they end up in in the Old West, drawn by Don Heck. But it was uh, that that that's it's a little bit the feeling I'm getting with this. It's it's and because he's teaming up with um, various heroes, it it. Uh, it reminds me of uh, of Brave and the Bold, so I don't uh, I I ain't mad at that. So between Bendis writing a, a pretty nifty Batman tale and Darrington drawing the hell out of this nifty Batman tale, I'm uh, I'm all in, and I am quite looking forward to a uh, to a collection of this story. Yeah, it's going to make a great a great uh, collected edition. Yeah, yeah, Deathstroke, Green Arrow. Freaking yeah. City. That's in the first issue looked real cool too, man. I, yeah, no, I, the, I, Darrington's I, yeah. on the mark. He's, he's yeah. It, it, if this book, it, if this was responsible for getting Darrington off Doom Patrol, then okay, great. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, nice. Um, 
I am going to uh, take y'all to Fantagraphics for a minute. And I got not one but two Fanta books in my box. What's in the box? Um, speaking of what's in the box, I uh, Colin and I watched Seven this week. It was his first time seeing the movie. Oh, so now he knows what I, what, he, what I mean when I say what's in the box. Um, but uh, yeah, getting back on, on track here. Um, the two books that I received, and they're similar in in their structure, which is why I'm going to talk about them both. Um, are uh, Press Enter to Continue by Anna Galvan and The Anthology of the Mind by Tommy Musturi. Vince, have you read either of these? I'm a big Tommy Musturi fan. Uh, I I have the anthology on order, but I obviously didn't get it yet because it's not the end of the month. Got it. Okay. Well, so Mosturi is a, a Finnish, as in from Finland, not finished, but Finnish. He is a Finnish cartoonist, and this is a collection of uh, different work he's put out over, I think, a 20-year period. But it is a collection of short stories. It's presented like an anthology, um, but it is all by Mosturi written and drawn. The achievement of this book uh, is that Every story in the anthology, even though it's by the same creator, is just vastly different in tone, in structure, and most notably in artistic style. And this is a Fanta book, so I'm not saying like he used bold colors in one and then a lighter line in pastels in the next. Each of these stories is indiscernible from the other visually. Um, I mean, we're talking some look like um, asterisks. Some look like um, what's your what's your boy Vince that uh, from um, Picture Box that you like? Uh, so many. No, no, the one that does like the uh, the really abstract looking uh, uh, visuals. C- CF. Yes, there's stuff that looks like that. There's uh, like graffiti style. There's there's straight up uh, like go like gauche 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 painting. Uh, there's uh, like screen press stuff. There's uh, graphic Chris Ware-esque visuals. There's pixelated stuff. I mean, he just basically does whatever the fuck he wants. And I got to say, this reminded me of what our boy Vince would put out if he had a chance to put out an anthology. Nice. Like just, just there's no rules. There, the only rule here is that there's no rules. There should he's be. Telling, he's telling you in this book, you if you're an artist, you can and should do anything you feel like fucking doing and celebrate it. My and, man. Um, yeah, I, I will, um, you know, I, I won't say that I read this and was profoundly moved by the work in the sense that this is not a book you read for the stories to bowl you over, but the achievement of producing this work and the fact that it all came from a singular vision and voice is astounding and needs to be celebrated. So I give Fantagraphics a lot of credit for that. Um, and then the other one is um, si- similar in its in its origin, which is that uh, um, Anna Galvan is is also a, a long tenured cartoonist from outside the U.S. She's from Spain, um, and this is her first English uh, work or tra- translated into English. Um, this is much more um, structured in its form. Uh, it is a collection of five short stories, but but visually it's it's all the same. She has one visual style and it's it's beautiful it's it's to me uh a bit of of 
Chris Ware, a bit of Adrian Tomine. Um, the the stories themselves are far more um, approachable um, and linear in their narrative than the uh, anthology of the mind. But at the same time, the visuals are not linear. So I think the achievement there is the visuals. Um, she just does fascinating things. Essentially, the, the the commonality of the five stories is is kind of like Black Mirror. It's it's that technology has unintended consequences. Um, uh, but the stories range from a really bizarre job interview to um, uh, a circus freak um, sex scene to uh, actually another probably Vince's favorite. Um, to is, is there an elephant involved? No, it's 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 a new trapeze artist comes to the circus and falls for one of the women who is known as the doll girl, and they have sex, but the sex is abstracted into um, uh, geographic shapes, mm. and uh, part of that is because you're meant to wonder if the doll girl is in fact human, and then the other circus workers are sitting by the table talking about. Um, whether they should tell the current, the new trapeze artist, what happened to the old trapeze artist. And all the while you're wondering if this circus girl is like a black widow and is she killing him? But visually you don't, the, the whole point of this book I think is that as you're looking at it, you're not sure what's real and what's not um, because she's playing with reality. And uh, so you, it's left your own devices, whether these stories are literal horror stories or, or if they're in fact just uh, uh, manifestations of what people are thinking about you know, of, of exaggerating the reality, saying a dream state, but, uh, it's beautiful. This is a beautiful book. I mean, this, this book, uh, if I had a complaint about it, it's that it's uh, a small format. It's, it's like seven by 10 wow. and the visuals are so crisp and clean. I, I, and it's a hardcover. I would love to have seen it oversized, but, uh, but yeah, both, both very much worth your time. Um, uh, if, if you're so inclined to enjoy Fantagraphics books, I mean, these are, these are not, let me sit down and read a really great, story from beginning to end and 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 stew on it these are are books that are i think a bit more i don't want to i don't wanna, i was going to say a bit more challenging intellectually i don't really mean it like that i just mean they're 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 there are certain you might be able to you know what i'm saying vince like fanographics sometimes they're more about the craft than they are oh definitely i think the form know? the form is more preeminent in a yes, lot of these thank books you. right than yes the, yes the actual, I, you can interpret I've I've done a a, a one eighty on the the now anthology from Fantagraphics. The, I, I mean the the first issue was okay. Second one I did not like at all, and and I've read up to six. But the 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 overarching theme of a lot of the stories in the now anthology is you can interpret them in a bazillion different ways. Yeah. I mean, how does one interpret the color red? It, it's entirely subjective, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there are basic approaches to the color red that everyone shares, but then you can split and go into different directions and, and tangents, I want to say, based on your interpretation of the color red. Like it may, maybe make you feel something that I don't feel. I feel something else. But whatever, these the, the stories are, are very much left to the viewer to interpret. Mm. And that's, I think, that's endemic of a lot of fanographic books, which is fine. It's great. You know, uh, if you're of uh, 
the the stripe where you want to be told what should you should be feeling at the end of the story yeah. it, these books aren't for you nothing is spelled out you yeah you, yeah but and that's what i was that's great no i'm sorry man. um i was just going to say what i was thinking about with these books is that they both they're very, again each one in, in and of itself is very different from the other but um but what i do think they have in common other than being fanographics books by foreign creators is that they both in their own way are single creator anthologies. And then I was thinking at first, oh, how novel. But then I got to thinking, actually, in in a lot of ways, I could argue that Fanagraphics has somewhat owned and defined the single creator anthology as, in, as a part of this medium among U.S. readers for much of our fandom. Because... I mean, you're talking about if you think about the, who would be who would count in that. You've got your boy Dan Klaus. You've got like Evan Dorkin, the Hernandez brothers, Crumb, Ditko, Chester Brown. Uh, who else? Um, Adrian Tomine, um, Brendan McCarthy, uh, Doucette. Like there, there's there's a ton of them actually that are all at least for a part of their career known to have put out work through Fantagraphics in that form, right? So it's actually an interesting little subgenre of comics is single creator anthologies. Yes. You disagree? No, I don't. It's just I I think they're as you say defining this this subgenre of of publishing only because they are by far the biggest of the independent publishers but that do this thing. But there's a lot of publishers that drawn and quarterly publishes that's true self you know one one artist anthologies and mm-hmm. so does um i mean you so does uh, lion forge and so there's a lot of them, but I think fanographics is the poster child for this right only because they've been around the longest and they they put out the most work. Right, the most number of books. I, I would no, you're right. I mean, Picture Box has done it. Ad House yeah. has done it. No, yeah. no, you're yeah. you're right. There, there have been others. I, I, that's true. I guess as I'm thinking it through, you're, you're making a good point. I guess though, I, because these were both fanographics, then I was thinking, oh, that's interesting. Like single creators doing an anthology type of book, and then that got me thinking, well, actually, wait a minute. Like that's a that's a fanographics thing. Like they actually do that quite a bit. So yeah. I mean, Koyama with Michael DeForge and and right. uh, No Brow, they do. I mean, a lot. Basically, they all do it. It's just that Fanographics has the volume, where you know the attention yeah. is. Yeah. It, yeah, I'm a big fan of that. Me too. Yep. Yeah, I really am. I think uh, I'd like to see more creators do that. Like, just you know, kind of let their freak flag fly. Just exactly. Why yeah. the fuck not? You heard. Yeah. It's it's so liberating to, to just pick up a book by one creator and it's like you said, like like Tommy's book, where it's just a, a vast spread of styles and, and themes and approaches and it's just wow. Yeah, you, if you, you just are... gave that book to to a random person, like if I just threw this in a care package and they didn't know anything about it and they didn't read the back cover before and they just read it, like they would just think it's like like um like another volume of Kramer's Ergot. And right. they'd probably look and be like, oh, I wonder who drew this one. Right. Oh, you, you're not oh, going to put that in a care package, are you? No, no, no. No, I'm just making <laughs> the point of, of like if someone randomly received this without having pre-ordered it or knowing what it was about. Right. You would look at this and never think that it's one creator that did it all. Exactly. Yeah. That's good stuff. There you go. Yep.
It's fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. Fantastic. Ah. So there you go. Another one in the books. We love you people. Thank you for listening to us. If you would like to get in on any of the fun behind the scenes, which means the socials, we are on the uh, the Twitter and the Instagram and the Reddit and uh, um, what am I forgetting? Facebook, right? right? We're everywhere. Why? Because we just like to, to keep the fun rolling when this is done. And we love you. That's the big part. So um, before we come back, I want you to do one thing and then say goodnight. That was clunky, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. I get clunky once uh, in a while. I'm tired. You also get funky. I get funky. Boop, 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 boop. David. Oh. This is pretty long. Ooh, I'm gosh. sorry. I thought you were going to say, you know. In between, we'll we'll tell you what the book of the month is. But oh, you should. Yeah, we can do that after you're done. We can actually list the books of the month in the time that. Yes, that's true. Because that wouldn't be clunky at all. Uh uh Yes. More cowbell. Ooh. I don't know about you, but I got the fever (laughs) for more books of the month. That's pretty good. Look at you. That's not good at all. So David, awesome. He it's does. Your regular Frank Caliendo over here. He does. Oh my God. Dap, tell them what the the runners up on the okay. books of the book of the month was. Who them runners up bees? I will do that as soon as this site loads. Uh, we have. Uh, yeah, I, and I didn't. I, I didn't even get to check on um, on Saturday when the poll ended to find out how big the blowout was. But um, it was pretty lopsided. Thank goodness. <laughs> Because there was there was wow. no way I was reading friggin' Silverfish or whatever the hell. Wow, the, the, man. Yeah. Oh, was, oh the, Goldfish. Goldfish. Bro, the, why the, are you a hater all of a sudden? The Bendis one. Because I've read it before. And I know what it's oh, be- oh, because we haven't read this before. Well, <laughs> dude, this is a friggin' Stone Cold classic. I think. I know, but you're being. Like, you're like. I'm like, why didn't you want to read it? Oh, because I've read it before. No, that's not why you don't want to read it, because we've read this before, too. I've read it before, and I know what is contained within those covers, and I don't want to read it again. So you don't know what's contained in the cover we're going to read? I do, very exactly. well. But it's it's majestic. It's a, it's a, it's a sea change in, in, in the way comics were made. Yeah, and then you have Goldfish. Goldfish. Oh God, why is this site like this? I know, it's horrible. Yeah, the Patreon website's kind of busted. It's busted. It's worse than busted. It is busted. I mean, they've been good to us as a as a as a vessel for our patrons. Yeah, but it's it's uh, um, it would be better. Yes, I mean, yes, Vince. Vince is happy. He doesn't have to read Goldfish. I'm sad because Goldfish. I'm glad Goldfish got got some votes, but I'm I'm a little sad at the 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 books that Goldfish did beat out. But in any event. Your runners up in alphabetical order. Dead Man Book 5 with 2% of the votes. Goldfish, 3%. Grumble Volume 1, You're the Dog Now, Man, 7%. The Homeland Directive, another 2%er. Lobo by Keith Giffen and Alan Grant, Volume 1, got only 9% of God, the votes. That's crazy. I was it actually is. hoping for that one. So was I. Uh, as I was also hoping for Planetary Volume 2, The Fourth Man, which was the second place winner or first place loser with 50% of the votes. Point blank, 
with 6%. The Spire, surprisingly, with 8%. Will Eisner's The Spirit, Volume 1, The Spirit Returns, had 4%. X Factor, The Longest Night, was in third place with 12% of the votes. And your winner, blowing everyone out of the water, with 32% of the votes because 100 votes were tallied for this poll is Electra Assassin by nice. Frank Miller and Bill Sinkevich. The Thriller in Manila. Cannot wait. Yes. Reprinting the epic, and yes, epic, but also the epic Marvel imprint. Yes, sir. Many series. Epically Assassin. epic. Nice. Yes. You know what we should do? We should do a before and after. Like, Hi, I'm Fat Freddy, and here I am after Nutrisystem. I've lost all this weight. We should do a before and after and do Electra Assassin and then Superman Year One Number Two. <laughs> Where it's like in the zone, touched by that's the right, muse, Frank way. Miller, and this creature that's posing as Frank Miller that's doing this. Have you guys read it? No. Oh, my Come God. Dude, we read the first issue. I think we're, I thought we were done. It's. I gave it a chance. It's. It's terrible. Yeah, we we do that with the first issue. Yeah. Well, I, I, think, I was hoping it would rebound, and visually, it it does rebound. But it was thirty three percent over with the first issue. Yeah, I know. How far much was going to rebound? <laughs> it's like <laughs> losing losing thirty percent of your limbs. It's like ah, it's, I'm all right. I'll, I'm I'll all come, right. I'll come back. Just a flesh wound. Yeah. But no, the, the, the visuals, Ramita Jr. did much better on issue two, but the story's just freaking... Because there were no high school kids to draw. No, the story's crazy. It's it, not good crazy. It just, it's just weird. I, I, I don't understand what he's trying to do. Maybe someone more intelligent than myself can elucidate, mm. but I, I don't get it. Elucidations. Yeah, I, I don't see how this is the, the founding mythology of, of Superman. Where is this going to go? It's it's silly, silly shit. Hails yeah. But anyway, so what else? And we can waste a little bit of time, right? We did we did everything we we were supposed to do, and now it's just time to go crazy. Let's go crazy. Uh, okay. Ooh, Vince. Hi. I know you get your stuff monthly, but did you order the new Star Blazers manga? Yes, it's coming. It's oh, in my we box. Got it. We got the tag on it. Yeah. Yep. Hassan got that too, right? He did. Yeah, he, dude, Hassan like loves the. He's a, he's a big. He's like a sinophile. He's a smart he drinks, man. He drinks the Suntory. Yeah, he's low key onto the manga. He knows what's up. He knows the quiet up. ones. You got to watch out for. Yeah, I'm, quite, I'll, quite I'll get him to read. Get him to read Gantz and see what happens. <laughs> Why is so many naked people? He not Gantz to do this. Nah. Yeah, I I need to catch up on all my manga. Dr. Stone, I got volumes of Dead Dead Demons to read. It's like, I don't know. I, I've let the manga lapse a little bit. I got to get back on it. When I was uh, in the library at work today, they have a, um, a graphic novel section. And on the top shelf next to a Walking Dead compendium, and uh, some artwork for the Watchmen, and the hardcover of uh, Coates's Black Panther, um, and a nice size, like oversized hardcover. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's the actual retail version or if that's just 
library binding version, but um, they had the the nice hardcover of um, Ethos uh, Frankenstein. Oh, nice! Yeah, I was flipping through it. It looks really good. Yeah, it's great. It. You should get it, and they're cheap too. They're all, I mean, the list price I think is only like twenty three ninety nine or something like that. So I, See, I was, it, it's I'm I'm hesitant to pre order. A lot of manga site unseen now, especially like if I know it's it's a large collection after getting burned with the um, with the complete Death Note. Well, what do you mean burned? I don't I don't get it. It is it's it's still in that small manga size, but it is so thick that you can't you can't see all the artwork. So the further you dig into the uh, tone, oh, because the less, of the see because of the gutter. Yeah. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a thick. I I might have even actually I might have I might have put it in a care package already. I don't know if I don't know if I still have it, but yeah, I just I, it was. I mean, and I've I've I have a bunch of the I have the first few volumes of 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 the story. I still haven't finished it. I was all right. This is cool. I'll read this, and 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 that's great. But it's I started, and and I'm like, it's it it's like people you know who have who have the omnibuses, and it's like, yeah, I'm gonna sit down. I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read this huge ass chunk of. Uh, of Amazing Spider-Man starting with the first issue. And it's like, I, it could be a little uncomfortable because of the size and, and weight of it. But this was just, this was, and it was, it, and because of the size of it, it's, it's like, you're trying to hold it. Like some of you can kind of hold it one hand and, and, you know, keep your finger in the middle of the book so you can keep reading. But this is that it was, it wasn't physically impossible, but it was, it was cumbersome to, to just get comfortable and, and read. And the fact that, yeah, the, the thickness of it, I, yeah, I get that. A lot of the the compendiums are awesome because you get everything, but some of them are so freaking hard to read. Yeah, you, there's really unless you're sitting up and you have it on a on a flat surface. Like if you're late, you cannot lay down and read some of these things. Like you're not bringing it to bed with you. Right. It just doesn't. That is true. It doesn't yeah, work. True. Yeah. Uh, Jason, did you ever finish the the Gundam hardcovers? No, I mean I have them. I'm missing ten and eleven. No, eleven and twelve. Mm. The last two, whatever it is. And uh, but I, I fell off that too. I mean, that's a gigantic. I know series. that's the thing. It's daunting. It's I'm like, what? Ugh. I'm like, I'd love to read more of it. But I'm like, how am I gonna? I can't catch up. Right. You have to reread what you've already read because you've forgotten. Yeah, yeah it's tough. Circle's real, bro. It is. Uh, you know what else is very, very real? That we will be back very soon to fill your eardrums with. Uh, with goodness as we see it. So uh, please return. We'll be waiting here for you. We love you so much. Boys, tell them how you feel. All the love. All of it. Nice. Bye. Ladies. You're getting abducted. Sounded like a UFO. (laughs) 